Hey guys, this is Stephanie. And I'm Fox Mulder. He wishes he were Mulder. Hey, I'm monotone enough to be. Be careful what you say or you will upset the shippers. Steph, they already hate us. It's okay. They're not listening. <laughs> I'm Michael and welcome to the Spookies Podcast. And this is a special episode of the Spookies Podcast. Michael and I are honored to be joined in this episode by special guest Darren Mooney. Darren is an Irish author, a film critic, and an expert on pop culture who writes for The Escapist. We have a fun discussion about the classic 90s TV series, The X-Files, and its legacy. The X-Files was a zeitgeist-defining series about two FBI agents, Fox Spooky Mulder and Dana Scully, who investigate UFOs, government conspiracies, and the unexplained. It is one of our own inspirations for this podcast. We had a blast chatting with Darren about the highs and the lows of The X-Files, as well as what's going on in pop culture at the moment. Originally, this X-Files podcast was going to be episode three. Things happen, and it didn't work out. And this week was going to be Satanic Panic episode. Things happen, and it didn't work out. You know why? Because we got Darren Mooney. When you got Darren, you go with Darren. You always go with Darren. So next week, we're going to be doing the Satanic Panic episode. I promise. After our chat with Darren, uh, Stephanie and I are going to wrap up our thoughts on the X-Files, as well as read some email from our listeners. Some of the responses we got, guys, you are just going to have to hear to believe. About John Scheibert, because I, I just have to, because this is something I was been wanting to talk about for a while, this, this, the problematic John yeah. Scheibert stuff. Yeah, I was, I was, I was gonna. I, obviously, I saw Stephanie's match, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm game to talk about anything. It was, it was where the Shyvan stuff came from, but that's probably we could save that for the discussion itself. Yeah. But that was the kind of bit where it's like, okay, I can, you know, the rest of it I follow, and I, I under, like, I, I, you know, I can talk Shyvan. There's a lot to talk about there, but it's just like, why Shyvan? Um, yeah. He gets better, and I think one of the things we wanted to mention was that we've been watching Supernatural, and he, his writing gets so much better in Supernatural, he, and he stops doing that weird othering thing. Yeah. So maybe that was the other people on the show though stopped him. I think because they had a proper. And it's writer's a different room. time. Yeah, they had a proper yeah, writers' they, room. Yes, they're surrounded by women. <laughs> there's a lot of women. Yeah, there's a lot of women. He, what he does is he rehashes a lot of X Files. Like there's an episode like Home, but it's actually really good. Um, but he he kind of rehashes the X Files episodes of the other writers, but does them you know better than his more <laughs> his quality and. I mean, I do like some Shyman episodes. I think there's kind of a hot take. Stephanie has a hot take. Okay, so then after the Scheiben stuff, uh, we'll just talk about briefly about the legacy of X-Files and... What we think its legacy is. I'm not sure what the legacy is. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I know. It's complicated. I, I it's complicated. Answer, yeah, 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 it's really complicated. Yeah. And then if we have time, we might be able to talk about the uh, CW Superman show uh, and, and Man of Steel. And Kansas. And Kansas in particular, and because we're... Okay. I'm from Kansas. I actually, we live here right now, but I'm from here. And you've mentioned how these small towns are not are kind of like cancers. And uh, they are. Oh. <laughs> well, she's mentioned the, the, you know, Darren's take on Man of Steel is that it's kind of mean or the people in Kansas are mean. And that he's not wrong. So they are mean. They're not they're, like, yeah, there's this thing. Of, we like, have learned I would this. maybe phrase it more delicately. I would maybe phrase it a bit more delicately. But yes, I, I think there, there's a transition between this. And again, we, we should probably like actually start talking. But like there's a transition between the Kansas that produces Superman which is the Kansas that is the first state to outlaw the Ku Klux Klan, that is progressive, mm -hmm. um, that like has an actual communist party and stuff like that, and the Kansas that is like red to its, yeah, to its core. Yeah, because socialism was here in the yep. Depression era. Right. And, and it, you know, we live in the city that literally um, they would fight over. So Leavenworth, where Fort Leavenworth is, it's the oldest city in Kansas. Oh. And we're here, and this is where they would... 
sometimes join in the bounty hunters to take back slaves, or they would fight them to not take the slaves. It was so weird. And, and then, now everybody has rebel flags on their cars. And yeah, cars. they don't understand and their own like, history. We're, we're not in the South, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It's a it's a strange, strange place to live in. But Lawrence, where a lot of the, um, I can't think of the word, uh, where they want to stop slavery. My brain's a little foggy. Not Reconstruction. Um, Pre-Civil War. Yeah, yeah. That okay. stuff. Yeah. That starts, that kind of starts more in Lawrence. But there's a lot of fighting that happens. Yeah, abolitionists, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it really happens... Um, yeah, a lot of fighting is over here in Leavenworth. And unfortunately, I don't know my history as well. I've forgotten... A lot of it. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, I think we we'll probably... introduce Darren. Yeah, let's introduce. I'll let you oh, do okay. that, Michael. Okay. So today we have a special guest, uh, Darren Mooney, who is a critic, an author, uh, and he's here to talk about the X-Files and his legacy. And we might talk about Man of Steel. Um, he wrote a book called uh, The X-Files, A Critical History of the Original Series, which I have read three times, no less. And uh, he's also authored a book about Christopher Nolan's movies, uh, which Stephanie and I both love Christopher Nolan. Um, it's called Christopher Nolan, A Critical Study of His Films. I, I think I think Darren is, and you and Stephanie and I and Darren are, are the only people who like Tenet. So. <laughs> I love Tenet. Yeah. There are three of us. <laughs> yeah, all three of us. It's complicated. It's very good. <laughs> but Darren is seven more and we have the Tenet 10, you know? Yeah, uh -huh. Darren is an author and a film critic and he works at the escapist and he's actually one of the most insightful and intelligent people I know about pop culture. Like his Twitter threads alone are, are worth it. So, They're great. Yeah. yeah. I learned a lot. So, <laughs> all right. So I think we'll get started about talking about the X-Files and just how we got for that. Does Darren want to add anything to yeah. that intro? Do um, no, um, apart from feeling very, very intimidated. It is actually really lovely to talk to you both. <laughs> Um, to put a, a face and a voice to Michael in this case, to put a voice to Stephanie as well. I've interacted with you uh, over the years, I think primarily through my original X-Files reviews is maybe I think how we came into contact. Yeah, it was, uh, so it, 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 it was actually uh, Kamel's uh, podcast. I heard about you. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Which and, then, which, and then I read Darkness Falls, the review of Darkness Falls, which is the episode about the loggers in the woods. I, mean, I have to, Stephanie doesn't know the names of all the episodes. They so have to kind of. I don't have his eidetic memory. Yeah. He has an eidetic memory <laughs> and I can't, I've seen everything and I've watched them numerous times. I mean, I grew up watching the X-Files, but I, I don't have that same kind of like recall that everybody else has. With I have to have that description because I'm very visual. <laughs> the pristine myth though he was talking about that in darkness falls and i was like this guy you know his his reviews kind of go beyond just the Mulder and scully stuff which i i like that as well but i i like the context stuff and the cultural stuff of the 90s so oh america as Thank a you. pristine wilderness wilderness yeah yeah, yeah. Which and we sort of kind of going out and exploring and whether there's something that was there before us and why that is terrifying and why you keep going back to it in American horror and the subtext of it as well, which is the idea that America wasn't necessarily discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, naked landscape and all yeah. that sort of One stuff. of my yeah. favorite subgenres of the X-Files is this genre of like uh, people or, or there's things that we don't know about in America. Like I think the yeah. show works yeah. best in many ways when it ha explores those like subcultures and the whole globalization is eating away at it thing that we yeah. see a or lot. maybe there's rotten parts of that that has been like our town yeah <laughs> which is the yeah. cannibal well our, our town our home or any uh, number road runners like, yeah 
all these little shadows and these little kind of places. And again, it, 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 you know, you go back and you look at American history and it's arguably like it's the culmination of something that's happening since the end of the Second World War. Like you could arguably mm -hmm. draw a line as weird as it sounds from like the Roadrunner cartoons, which are largely about like this pristine, undiscovered desert where there's just the coyote and the Roadrunner yeah. and occasionally buses and trucks and trains. And you can jump from that to our town or to Roadrunners or to home where it's like, oh, there are these parts of the country that we don't know about. Or we, we don't want to know about, of. you know, like we're or, yeah. ignoring. Or have the white men like culturally appropriated things and misused it. Yeah. Darren is, other ways. Darren is a, a fan of uh, one of the, I think it's one of the most hated episodes it's called Hell Money. And me and Stephanie watched it. And Stephanie really likes that episode. It's the one with the the uh the lottery in chinatown and oh i love that yeah, episode. I, I like that one a lot too but a lot of people hate it but he's the one that kind of turned me on to why it's good his review of it yeah or what's good about no, it like, yeah no again like it, it's you know every every critic or every x-files fan probably has their own kind of curated pets where it's like yeah no people are wrong about it. they just don't get it they just don't understand it. they just don't <laughs> see it like i do but uh you yeah, know hell money's one of those that i kind of really latched onto because it, it is it's well, it's it's one of the I think it's the only X file in the early stretch of the show that isn't either linked to the conspiracy or paranormal. No, um, it, it's just a lottery. Like it's of it's just body parts. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's just a grim little horror movie with no supernatural element to it whatsoever. And it becomes this kind of metaphor for, well, capitalism in general and the idea of like the yeah. sacrifice that you make for society. And this microcosm of all this stuff that's like playing out in the X-Files mythology as well, where you can map fairly clearly like the cigarette smoking man. There's a cigarette smoking cigarette Asian man. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, another episode I like. Well, and it deals with, you know, the fear in the 90s, too, which was immigration. Well, and that's the fear now. That's still Irrationally. persists. Yeah. A rational fear that people are coming in the ticker jobs. <laughs> no one's taking the job. Well, the another episode, the voodoo episode, uh, Fresh Bones talks about that and how like immigrants yeah. are no longer welcome, and and also it deals with like cultural appropriation. Uh, my my yeah. takeaway from that episode is that the idea: of what if you gave a fascist like magical powers, and that's that's frightening. So we kind of did though in our own country. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Brexit too. So. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. How could I forget? Um, but I guess, yeah, we'll talk about uh, when we first saw the X-Files or how we got started. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Um, so I, I actually saw it from the very, very, very beginning. It started with watching, um, dang it, what's the show called? Unsolved Mysteries. And then America's Most... <laughs> and there was Most... another UFO one, wasn't there? there was sightings. A, there was a sightings. Yes. I think we probably I saw did sightings watch that. And, then, and Unsolved Mysteries. And then um, America's Most Wanted. And they used to come in. It's funny because it felt like it was all the same network and maybe Unsolved Mysteries and um, America's Most Wanted were. But when mm. they were doing the ads for X-Files, they were positioning it like it was basically like another unsolved mysteries was and true was it true and so my mom and i were just obsessed we could not wait for the show to come on because like, what is it it's about the aliens because we were just we were obsessed with aliens i think like a lot of people were at the time it was just so, zeitgeist. so weird it was the zeitgeist yeah. of the 90s was aliens so yeah i mean um i mean my my kind of my favorite i have so many favorite episodes but i love the pilot just because you see that lightning in a bottle of the chemistry of the two stars, Jillian and David, and also just how good the show is from the get-go. Like, it's just great. So I, I love it for that nostalgic reason. And then Bad Blood, because it's really funny. Um, Everybody loves Bad I Blood. I love... There are people who hate that. Yeah, episode, I know. Just weird. I love Unruh. I love the monster episodes with, like, tombs and the fluke man, because they're so memorable. And then the Roland episode, obviously, I can't think of the name. Which is a hot take. Yeah. And then 
the one Shyman episode I actually like is Elegy. Well, no, there's two I like, but Ooh. I really like Elegy. Yeah, I know. I, I was talking about this. It's kind of a hot take. I actually like Elegy too. I like it for the Mulder and Scully stuff. Some of the some of the plot elements are dodgy. Yeah, but there's a sensitivity in that that I I think I really like with the um the the worker who's who is like a, a mental disability. Yeah, some yeah. people don't think so, but. <laughs> I think he's really sweet. There's something really sweet about that I think character. the actor does a good job. The actor's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, I just like... Harold, is it? Yeah, yeah Harold. Harold Spooler. Or, yeah. yeah. There's I just like the haunted really bowling alley. Him. I think that's a funny visual... <laughs> Great premise. It just doesn't... It, it's a weird idea. It's I've really always weird. thought bowling alleys are creepy, but maybe it's because we have a ton of them in the Midwest. If you go in the middle of the day, nobody's there. <laughs> there might be like a couple old dudes back when people, they would let you smoke in these places. They'd be like chuffing on cigarettes and... And, and drinking like beer at noon. <laughs> but I mean, like bowling alleys tap into that kind of Americana thing. Like they're yes. almost yeah. Again, he talks about this idea of like the, yeah, yeah, the expo. Sorry, I, I'm just going to ramble and repeat. So I apologize. But yeah, no, like they're they're very much that kind of like Americana thing where you have the idea of these old communal spaces that are now kind of weird and haunted. So you have things like you know, was it uh, bowling alone was this study of the breakdown of social order? I think around the turn of the millennium. Yeah, I've heard about uh, the this. fact that like. Yeah, the fact that Michael Moore picked bowling as the sport that he did for Columbine as well as a representative of that kind of lost American instance. So I think the bowling alley alley in in Elegy is is one of the things I love about the episode. The, it's, it's, I like the the part when they go behind the bowling alley. That's so weird, yes. and you see the dark, like the it's Ma- spooky. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really spooky. And I like creepy. ghost. I like the ghost element. It, it's kind of handled weirdly because it's a Shyman episode. <laughs> By the way, I had the script to that episode, and there's a bunch of notes from Chris Carter in that episode to the director telling him not to do this, do this instead, do this instead, do this. And it's, yeah, it's quite something. Um, Just ignore, ignore what was written. Yeah. Do this, do this, this, Jim. I think it's the guy's Jim's name. Um, My introduction to Excel is kind of funny because I did not see the first season when it first aired. I saw the second season. Um, I did not have a television and my grandparents who raised me would not let me watch the show because they thought it was satanic. Oh yeah. And it would warp my mind. This is during the satanic panic. And I got a, eventually I was said, they told me I was going to get a TV. And I was like, great. So they gave me a TV and it's a TV in black and white. It's, it's (laughs) the color's gone. It's a big TV, but it has no, it's just black and white. So the first episode I saw was Aubrey from the second season, which I really like. And to this day, I really like, um, and then I saw the whole second season in black and white, and then finally got a color TV. And then eventually my grandparents actually got over this fear of Satan or whatever, and they watched the whole show. They've seen, they saw the whole show. Um, my favorite episodes are Home, uh, Paper Hearts. Uh, I, I actually like an episode Darren really likes, Never Again. I sound like I'm naming off all the season four episodes, but <laughs> it's actually not my favorite season. Um, I love Darkness Falls. I love that episode. Yeah, that's my other favorite. And I'm trying to think. Uh, Bad Blood, of course. Uh, basically, all the Vince Gilligan stuff. You yeah, know? anything Vince and Morgan is Wong great, so. episodes. <laughs> yeah, and I like, I like, I like Darkness Falls. I think it's one of Carter's better scripts, actually. So, I know that's kind of a hot take because people think I'm hating on Chris Carter. I do, not a hater of Chris Carter, unlike some people. So, and so Darren, how did you get hold of this show being in Ireland? Because that's I've always thought that was how how. Cause it's so it's hard for us to get the show like BBC shows. Like for me, absolutely fabulous was probably my first my first real um, BBC show. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I um, love that show so much. <laughs> and PBS and things like that. Well, I mean, I think like how I came to the X Files is, is vaguely interesting because it's one of the first horror things that was uniquely mine. 
So I had the very good fortune of growing up in the VHS era over here in Ireland, what we would call the early VHS era. So like the mid nineties um, in Ireland. <laughs> and I would watch all these horror movies with my granddad. My granddad was this kind of wonderful tutor in terms of like broadening my horizons and showing me things that were grossly inappropriate for an eight year old child to watch. Um, <laughs> I so love like it. things like that. Yeah, no, things like the Hammer horror movies, uh, The Devil Rides Out is still a favor for that oh, reason. I love those. Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. And like The Shining and stuff like that, he would let mm. me watch when I was far, far too young to be watching them. Um, and so I had this love of horror and like, you know, things like the old uh, Stephen King Salem's Lot and stuff like that, we would watch them. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And I remember, um, I don't remember the context of it, but I remember it was on BBC Two because the X-Files, I think, launched over here on BBC Two, which is the second channel owned <laughs> by the British national broadcaster, not the first one. And the first season, I think, aired recently. I think it was around Ghost in the Machine when they said, oh, this is pretty good. We should maybe bump this up from BBC Two to BBC oh, One. Oh, yeah. That's like episode and seven yeah. of season one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, we, we might have something here that might kind of catch on. And I remember stumbling across it late night. I think it was actually Ghost in the Machine, the killer elevator, uh, was the episode that kind of I first really latched on to. Uh, but I had difficulty kind of keeping track with it because obviously over here in Ireland, I was a kid at the time and it was on at like 11 o'clock on Fridays on a British state broadcaster, which made it difficult to keep track of. But what happened is as the show went along, and I, I don't know if you listen to like the x Dance, which is run by a British fan, uh, Tony Black, wonderful fellow. I, I listen to it. But he talks about like um, he, he's talked a lot about this and about his experience coming to it. And mine would probably be quite similar because we would have watched the same channels because British channels broadcast over there. Yeah, but I think around the third season, you have Sky, which is the Rupert Murdoch uh, evil the, empire. Like the Fox uh, over there, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like not with all the political baggage that comes with that. Yeah, at least. but it's like, it's like the yeah, Fox um, Network, isn't it over there? Or? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. That's exactly it. Do they have like more um, so, edgy comedies and things like that? I'm assuming. Yeah, and they're they're not they're not bound by the same constraints as the national broadcaster. They're allowed yeah, to advertising. Gotcha. They don't have to be politically unbiased, all that sort of stuff. They can be a bit risque, and they don't have to worry about viewer complaints as much because they they do it all via the you know. Wait, there's anyway. viewer but, complaints? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, these are amazing. Like what? National broadcasters, national broadcasters in Ireland and and the US are amazing. As Ireland, the UK are amazing because like there are literally like eighty of them a year. So every once you know, like every August, the newspapers will open up and they'll be like, oh um. Miss McBride from uh, Druid's Glen out in Kildare complained that there was a bit too much skin shown in normal people. Um, uh, it sounds like our emails. Yeah. We get the emails like, we get, get are just insane. So we would hear about that kind of stuff more like on a news channel, or if it, like if it made a big brouhaha and it would it would be on like maybe the nightly news. Yeah. That like there like a group of angry women have gotten together from a church and they're mad about this like, a moral show, panic. Yeah. And they would moral panic it up. That's that's kind of the same. It's not really the same equivalent, but that's yeah. as close as we get to people complaining. <laughs> Aside yeah. from just like, I mean directly writing into the shows. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know that's, I, you know, the Irish film critic circle is small enough that I know like people who do this and like their favorite thing to do every year is to go through the notes that the the Irish film board got or the Irish kind of the RTE got and go, oh, yeah, this is what people complained about. They thought that censor was a bit much, just a little <laughs> bit much. Um, but yeah, so to, to answer your question, sorry, going a long way around, I think it moved to Sky between the second and third seasons. And I think I would have properly jumped on around the time I got a TV set in my bedroom. So around 98, 99. So towards the end of season five, season six, I would have started watching religiously. Um, in terms of, of favorite episodes, I mean, most of the ones that you mentioned, I think the four episodes that Morgan and Wong did in season four are phenomenal. They are. Uh, among the highlights they the are. show ever did. 
you've singled out home, you've singled out never again, mm -hmm. um, even things like the field where I died as well. Um, and um, what's the other one I'm forgetting? It's got really musings of a cigarette smoking man. Yeah. Yes, there oh, we go. That like, so those, good. Yeah. yeah, a lot of fans don't like, like that. I like I really it. like it. It's really, really. I think good. they don't like it because Mulder and Scully's not in it. Yeah. But I, I've, I need a. I'm. I wanted a Crycheck episode. So. Yeah. It's too Which bad Crycheck really never bitter. got an arc. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Crycheck. <laughs> Yeah, but like music with a cigarette smoking man is like the anti Forrest Gump, which is kind of it amazing is. in a show like this. Um, like literally, they, they recycle the same dialogue, but it's the idea of, yeah, this one person has been controlling US history behind the scenes <laughs> and how, like, it, it, it is, you could argue, mocking the whole conspiracy mythology. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, yeah, yeah, which e I, I e can understand why. EBE. EBE from the first season where they introduced a lone gunman. Um, that's yeah. that's kind of doing something similar. Some of those episodes yeah. I don't think I quite appreciated as much until I got older and rewatched a bunch of these. And then it was like, yeah. oh, I see like, what they're doing. Because like, before I was a teenager, so I'm like, I don't know like, what the smoke, the cigarette smoking man. You know, I maybe it may have fallen into that. Never category again is not is, loving it at is first. One that we the tattoo episode. Uh, we really yeah. like oh that one's so good i think yeah. we like it for a Jody different Foster. reason or because we see it as about being about Mulder and scully yeah uh, but for darren it's personal because i've listened to the podcast on it I, I but it's it's a really good uh i i as i gotten older I've, i've i know what scully means too in that episode yeah so the, there's always and i do this with books too so there's i i, I read voracious vociferously as a kid and really big books that were maybe a little over my head because <laughs> i'm reading like college level books in the sixth grade and i'm so, um, yeah, and I would every time I would reread them as I would start to get older, new new ideas would present themselves or I would understand more because my understanding of life is, yeah. is broadened. Yeah. yeah. And I think the X-Files is kind of like that, too. I think it's different from when you watch it as a kid and then you watch it as a young adult and then even as an adult. Um, well, when I was a kid, I just wanted it to be scary. Horror, right. Like, that's know. the stuff you're, you're into is like, oh. And my introduction <laughs> show was like Aubrey, Irresistible, uh Die Hand, Die Verlets, all the kind of horror yeah. stuff. So that's to me, that yeah. still is what the X Files is. Yeah, for me, it was like more alien abductions because that yeah, was, well, that, that is too, just intrinsically cause... tied to that time period and how scary that idea was that some something could come into your room and steal you from the night. We I talked about this on a podcast before, but yeah, we were I was scared as of being abducted as a child. Yeah, no, was I wasn't too. scared of Satan or any of that. No, stuff, it was the like, aliens. Yeah. And I, I lived in a ranch style house. So like there was not a second story. So I felt more vulnerable because my bedroom was like at street level. <laughs> they level, could yeah. just, they could just come in yeah. and take me out of the window. Like Mulder's sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, What are we, are we going to shive in or. Yeah, we should talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many great writers. Um, uh, with X-Files, some terrible ones, and then some that are problematic who get better on I don't shows. really, I'm going to be honest, I don't really like Jeff Bell. So, I like uh, one or two of his episodes, and that's it. Uh, Scheiben has some good episodes, but I'm not entirely sure they're all his, not to discredit him in any way. Um, he has some episodes he or wrote just with... just the Vin way that writer's room works. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He writes some episodes with Vince, like Field Trip, that I, I absolutely love, and Monday. You know, so why, Monday, yeah. why is, why is Scheiben... Um, problematic. Uh, I mean, I know why, but why would you say? Why would I say? Yeah. Because he writes with an insensitivity to other cultures and he uses a bunch of old horror tropes okay. that are rooted in exploitation. That's what I would say. And he's, yeah. when he starts out, he's just not very good. Also, I'm just <laughs> sorry. Parts that he has dialogue's not very good. And I don't like the walk that much. I, it's not terrible, but I don't, 
I, I think it's well directed. It's got a really great scene in a swimming pool with a ghost, but the astral projection stuff, and the, I find the villain kind of unlikable. What episode is that? It's it's his first episode. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. And it's it's the one that it's around the same time as the list as well, which I always get the two of them confused because it's the proper noun and involves kind of like yeah. the idea of captivity and constraint. I actually kind of like I like the list. The list is the one with the, the list pr- is fascinating. The, the 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 list is the one with the maggots death row in the prison and it's oh, got a racial element yeah, yeah i like yeah. that one a lot of people do not like that episode but no i like that one and i feel like there's even a class element to that one too yeah it is yeah i yeah, think it is. it's really really good it's curly based on the prison angola i think in louisiana yeah, louisiana or, yeah yeah Oof. but uh yeah. yeah i the walk i'm not a fan uh the next episode is uh tessa dos bichos <laughs> also known as the killer kitties episode and i think it's more stupid than offensive but uh it is kind it of. It still f- has the whole. We took an artifact from um, some vaguely defined foreign culture cat- and in South America yeah. with pan yeah. flutes. The pan flute. <laughs> like, we should talk about the music. We, we call them the pan flutes of doom because they're always like playing yeah. in some of these episodes, and, and yeah. they're like conflating two different countries. So it looks like Peru. But they're like, it's Ecuador. I'm like, I don't think and Ecuador and- has all those mountains and snow. Am I wrong? <laughs> I think, like, again, like, this is like, Mark Snow is a separate conversation. A lot of his work is fantastic. It I is. Think a lot of his work is really great. But there is a sense that he has, like, this separate section of his synthesizer that he's like, oh, something foreign. Because <laughs> I think, the like, Tolico has, yeah, like, Tolico has the similar kind of wind instruments going through it as Anytime well. Anytime there's, like, like oh, a, another, con- yeah. another race depicted, there's this continental, yeah, foreign ethnic music well there was a genre of music and um i loved it because <laughs> i was a kid and i was didn't it know anything. Age, it wasn't just new age they called it world music yes yes and it was a way to kind of um uh listen to to music from other cultures like what their traditional music was and what they were what they would write on but what i didn't know a lot of times is sometimes they weren't written by people from those countries or cultures they may have been uh, taken appropriated <laughs> appropriated or, yeah, uh, which, which is not necessarily a, a bad thing in music but when you're presenting something you cut you you're hoping it will be you want to know where the roots come yeah from. you want to know yeah. where the roots come from and you probably want to hear it from someone who who has lived and is from that culture initially i just don't understand why they didn't just do like a wear cat like the 90s were episode. just not very sensitive about world culture they, it was more like yeah. new age and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's also I find Tessa dos Bichos, Kim Manners is a great director. I just find it really boring. It's boring to me. Yeah. It just doesn't. And the dialogue is silly. Like the cat ate a rat, rat ate a cat, all that stuff. Yeah. It, and why are they not like in a in a? It doesn't look like a museum. I would love to had a, a museum haunted museum episode, that but we never really so cool. got that. Yeah. Why didn't we get a haunted museum? It looks very low yeah. budget. <laughs> cheap <laughs> yeah yeah well and also famously the cat sequence where, where anderson is attacked and it's it's clearly like a, an a intense puppet? post of a cat and then a puppet yes yeah and they add um, sound effects like the yeah <laughs> and it's like cute little kitties like chubby little cats we and then cats. we're not afraid of cats, <laughs> yeah. we love cats. and then they add in the round it's just look it just looks like a cute cat looking at you I'm like, yeah. you couldn't pick yeah. a jaguar or something. Well, that's like... what the that's what Ken Manners wanted. He was like, why didn't he's like, I told him cats aren't scary. Like, little, yeah, little house cats. Po- I think are not he said scary. pussy cats. But yeah. <laughs> <Not scary>. yeah. <laughs> and the next episode is honestly to me one of the worst episodes of the X Files ever, which is yes. El Mundo Gira. Oh God! And your yeah. review of this, people should check it out because it it nails it. It does nail it. Yeah. Um, it I, for the time racist. You know, even for that time yeah. now, just really bad but at, for the time even racist I yeah because we read we were reading um 
what you had said about it, Darren. And so Michael and I went back and we watched it because it had been a while. We since watched we... all the Scheiben episodes. And, and so we just went through the <laughs> Scheiben episodes. We had some alcohol. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched Al Moonder and was like, oh my God, how did they get away with this? It was so bad. Because I mean, at first, the, first they're saying... Um, uh, the Mexican people love their stories. You know, they're just like these simple dummies who just love their stories. Yeah, it's really gross. And then, and then they're like, they're fighting over a woman, you know, because that's it's all a, they know how to it's, do. It's a Mexican soap opera. It's a Mexican soap opera. Yeah. And even like the yeah. hi, like the Hispanic cop, I love the actor, by the way. Yeah, Ruben Blade. He's wonderful. Um, <laughs> the cast is the cast is phenomenal. They're all like, great. Back, yeah, they're great. Raymond Cruz is in there as they're well. Breaking Bad, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they end up in Breaking Bad. They're really, really good, but like, and then this whole thing with like um, they're a fungus. They're a fungus. So they're like, yeah. so they've brought in a deadly disease, and now yeah. they're molting into the fungus or something. It's oh god. Well, it, it it's similar. Even though I don't dislike the episodes much, but there's that episode about the albino guy, the 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 tele, teleco, teleco. which teleco. is about an av- African immigrant who comes over here, and it's like he that has, oh that yeah. has some racist kind of vibes to it because it talks about immigration and. It's a little yeah. yeah. It, it's around the time you have the Ebola scare going on, that's stuff like true. that, and all this sort of panic that's happening around it as well. And yeah, it's very like he. If I remember correctly, the first victim in T- in Tilico dies in a um in an airplane toilet, right? Isn't yeah, yeah, he does. He does. I, like, as if to, as if to say, yeah, they literally. It's yeah. No, well, it's, and people are still good. terrified of AIDS. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, they're no, still no, scared no, no, of, no. Uh, of the AIDS virus, and there's this idea that it came from Africa. We don't know where it came yeah. from, but yeah, the the yeah. prevailing, I guess, consensus. Well, is that that's it, that's it the basis for Genderbender, which I do like. I do like Genderbender. I must yeah. confess. I know there's some I, problematic elements, but I do like it. Yeah, I'm I'm along, I'm on the same page. It's like yes, I completely understand why somebody might say screw Genderbender and <laughs> throw it in the bin, and I'm like yeah, fair fair play. But I also think it's a fascinating episode. Bowman did well a great directed. job. It's yeah. it's creepy. It's it's got it's a really neat unique look. And Mulder is doing yeah. like crazy things, like going into that creepy cave and stuff. He's doing <laughs> I very Muldery things. The only problem so, is, yeah. it's in HD. You can kind of see it's a set, but you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's like a beehive or something. I don't know. But uh, getting back to El Mundugira, that yeah, there's all Mulder and Scully. I think are out of character. Mulder is just very insensitive. To, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He doesn't yeah. treat he treats the women he badly, make, and he, he makes fun of the immigrant when he's crying about the woman who died. He's like Maria, Maria, and it's just very like painful. Like yeah, Mulder wouldn't do that. He's because it, in other episodes, uh, the one with the werewolf one, where he's with uh, Alpha. Yeah, with the Native Americans. No, I, I think he's talking about shapes. Oh, uh, no, oh sh- shapes. Sorry, yeah. shape. Yeah. So, so many werewolf episodes. <laughs> <of time. laughs> so, so, yeah, he's, he's sensitive to other cultures. We've seen it in other episodes. But this one, he's like, hmm. <laughs> now, some people don't think shapes is very sensitive. I don't mind that episode. It's fine, whatever. But uh, anyway, what we're, ta- we're talking about, uh, El Mundo Gira. Um, right. Yeah. El Mundo Which Gira. is somehow worse because it it like the thing with El Mundo Gira that really kind of grinds my gears and on top of like all the context of it arriving at this time where you have this panic taking place and you have the kind of stuff that's happening in California about fears of kind of immigration from Mexico, which mm-hmm. will arguably kind of like give root to significant issues down the line. Yes, but yes. Like, uh, even more than that, like El Mundo Gira is frustrating because it 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 insists upon itself and thinks it's really smart. It's doing this thing where it's trying to be like a Mexican soap opera. It's trying to be like as the world turns. It's trying to do a Jose Chung's type structure. And that's it exactly. And and it's a stupid version of Jose Chung. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, the Um, the Rashomon, bad blood type of thing. But it's heaped on top of a story that is like bad to begin with and like would be bad without this. And adding this on top just adds an extra layer of complexity to the badness. 
which yeah. is, is something to behold. Well, Sorry, I feel like we're being very mean. Yeah, we are. Um, we're very, very mean to Shyman. It's a terrible episode. It <laughs> deserves it, it, it is one of the worst. I will say, though, <laughs> Stephanie, I, I recently, it's only the second time I watched it. We watched uh, Fight Club. And that that probably top in terms of just I mean it's not as offensive but it's just really awful. That's the one with Kathy Griffin. It makes no yes. sense. The music is awful. It's just ugh. it's the stupidest yeah. te- temper tantrum I've ever seen. I, yeah, I think it's Carter throwing a tantrum basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a Chris Knowles reading of that. Is yeah. Imagine like what could possibly have inspired Chris Carter to write a script about two people who cannot physically be in a room together yeah, without causing nature to collapse. Fighting at the time that David Duchovny yeah. was suing the production on which he was working. Yeah. <laughs> I they, think like they literally the writing was that they're writing a more fatigue together and couldn't be in the same room, which is delightfully absurd. I think Rush right. Hugo uh, from the X cast did a feedback on uh, Elma Nogueira. And I, I said something in my feedback about how it, it reminds me it's got a very Trump like view of immigrants. And he was like, explain this yeah. because he was kind of like, I don't see it. And I'm like, well, they're a virus. They're coming here. Yeah. bringing a plague they're going to take your jobs they're going to take your women and they're going to spread a plague and we now see this with the idea of you know people from china and they're they're they're, they're the ones that cause yeah. you know and all that stuff it's very similar yeah. to me i i see a parallel a straight line to that yeah um so what, what is and like and again that's not that's not hindsight that's the context of the time yeah that's yeah yeah while california was having those debates in the mid 90s in 96 i think 95 i mean my dad was time. listening to rush limbaugh this is bit when rush was considered like a moderate and sometimes he which is hilarious i know i know i come from <laughs> a more liberal a family moderate i don't yeah i know my dad would turn the am radio on i'm like oh my god he was this guy and and then he would start talking about like they're taking all our jobs and i'm like who's taking our jobs it never made sense to me as a kid so yeah, it was even in our in our house, which was a pretty liberal house, all things considered. This is also kind of like we see with, with Brexit. You know, they're taking. Yeah, I mean, they even had convinced yeah. other like liberals that like, I don't think my mother ever believed it. She was a school teacher, a really educated school teacher. I don't think she fell into some of these idiocies that my dad would. <laughs> like listening to Rush Limbaugh. She could not stand him. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny how that that stuff was around and and Rush still kept that alive. So to the end, the next episode is Elegy. Yeah, one and of my favorites. I, I like Elegy. Um, mm-hmm. I like it, the bowling alley stuff. I like all the Mullard Scully. I like Jillian gives a great performance in it. Um, I like the ghost. I'm not crazy about the wig on the nurse, but <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that there there is that you know not all women are good, and some of them are real when they're when they're bad they're really bad. Well, I yeah. there's like a toxic element to some. I mean, that's true. And, and Stephanie and I have actually dealt with uh, caretakers of people being abusive to mm-hmm. some of our relatives. So we, we kind of have, I guess, some insight into that. But, you know, it's got some stuff. I don't like that Harold just wa- wanders off and dies. I find that just really gross that what he does with that character at the end. Um, I do love the ending, though, with Scully uh, telling Mulder that confrontation. And then also this thing where she cries in the car at the end. I think that's really well done by Jillian. Mm-hmm. So, and I do you think it got written, rewritten? I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's written <laughs> it's by Carter. Like now, that's it. not always a good thing, but you know, <laughs> not always, but uh, you know, he was fine with the, the streamline, yeah. I, I mean, if it was were, you know, I, 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 the first draft, who knows what happened in it? I don't know, so yeah, I like the sweetness of Harold. I, I yeah, find the him, actor does a good job. I find him so endearing. I, it's like Roland, I like the actor in Roland, so. yeah. And I've met people like that who are just sweet, sweet people, and and you want to protect them. There's something about people like that, you just want to make sure that they're safe. And I think that's what's so heartbreaking about it is that there's this caretaker who's abusing him, and it, it just 
it, it just gets me on this like visceral level, right? Like, I do kind of I like seeing Scully fight people. I, yeah, that's the other thing. I, I, She's very you know, cool with it. Fight, yeah, you know, it's kind of neat. But what was what is the episode after Elegy? Okay, the other one is Pine Bluff Variant, which your is favorite. great. It's a really which, good one. Which is that's that's my that's my pick for John Shabazz. That, I agree. I'm with you um, on that. That's his best episode. It, it Raw Bowman does a great job. Mm-hmm. It, it just it's that yeah. momentum. Um, I, the, it's really clean. It's really effective. It's back to basics. It's kind of late fifth season as well. So the production is absolutely humming at that. Yeah, point. they're uh, the, it's season five is the production is amazing. It's so good. It's yeah. so, the so fifth good. season leading up to the movie. Right, and that's why it's just the hair gets good, the clothing, the, all the um, yeah, costuming the gets good. Yeah, so fitting properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not they're wearing not like the baggy. Baggy the, looks the, like it's off the rack the from buttons. J.C. Penney. <laughs> It's just yeah. cheap I actually, I'm actually a big fan of the first season, but some of the fashion is is just hard well. To watch. It's it's because it's that transition between the the late 80s and the early 90s, and those just ugly, ugly colors. I mean, the the, the fashion at the time is just disgusting. Scully is very frumpy, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I remember my mom and I like complaining about what clothes to buy because we hated all the colors. <laughs> they were so ugly. It was really hard as a woman. It was really hard to find clothes, and you even see this in like. Um, um, not not darkness falls what's the one where it's the tree men detour detour so Dark- scully has this yes. like terrible uh windbreaker on or maybe that is darkness no falls. it's darkness falls. oh so i'm thinking it's of darkness the falls. pink and the blue outfit. that's all you could buy as a woman yeah. there wasn't like there were no solid colors you couldn't get just navy <laughs> <laughs> you had to get these just garish uh and again it kind of it's it's stemming from that that decade of the 80s where they really have these neon colors so it ugh. Oh, God. Yeah, Pine Bluff feels <laughs> like a movie to me. It, it's really yes. well done. And it's a good conspiracy episode. And I, I also like when the X-Files kind of plays with the militia ideas and things like that. So, yeah. Which they kind of do. the last times they do. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah I they kind of give up on that. The fourth season. Yeah, there's one in the fourth season where you have episodes um, like the Vietnam one, that the one that's told unnecessarily through the media res. Oh, yeah, um, that one. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's the one with the guy who can make himself invisible by standing. It's a cool in idea that's spot. completely wasted. I don't really yeah. like. I I like Haddish, which is the Golem episode. The, yeah. yeah, I like that, and I like Zero Sum. Uh, but the rest of the Gordon episodes, I don't really like. Like in season four, I'm trying to think if there's one. Yeah. You know, the synchrony's okay, whatever. But yeah, uh, it's Pine Bluff is is top tier exiles it reminds me of outbreak yeah. the movie the one with dustin hoffman yes and i i that that was terrifying to me yeah because again ebola like you were saying i've forgotten all about the ebola scare how terrifying that is it's still a scary virus too <laughs> any hemorrhagic fever is is yeah. scary we don't want that running around we can't even handle covid <laughs> i think yeah. he i think shyman is actually better at writing these kind of bioterrorism episodes because he does uh I think the next episode he does is SR819. Yes. Which is, I like, yes. but it has some problems. And, and I don't like the ending where Skinner kind of revert, everything just kind of reverts yes. back. It's it's resetting Skinner to factory defaults for, like, I think at that stage, the third time. Yes. Can we like trust six. him? Is he good? No, yeah. he's back to, you know. Well, it's it's the thing with, like, you know, not giving Krychek an arc is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's just a guy. You know, I mean, he's I think he's used neat in that episode, even though I knew it was him from the beginning. So. Yeah, it's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Who could it be? <laughs> What's really frustrating about the SR eight one nine resetting Skinner is that like this is the point where they figured like we can't do it again, so we have Kirsch. Like the entire point yeah. of Kirsch is to be like what Skinner was supposed to be before yeah. we humanized him. So it feels entirely redundant that we're like, oh, we're now we're also doing can we trust Skinner again? Again. <laughs> I'm just, again, yeah. As an as an aside, uh this is during season six. 
I like season yes. six a lot, um, especially the first half of season six. Weirdly yes. enough, it's weird because it's more of the almost like a romantic comedy. But I do like yeah. that first half of season six. She loves Dreamland. She's I love that. She, yeah, she loves Dreamland. I think it's I, so I'm, freaking uh, brilliant. It's so good. I love Triangle. Um, uh, I would argue, yeah, Drive and Triangle are probably for me the best two episodes in the show's run back to back that are not a two part. Yeah, I agree. That's Drive is one. Drive really is qualification right there. Like Vince Gilligan and Rob Bowman are a great pair. There's so much tension in yeah. that episode too. Like, yeah, you know, our, it looks like a movie too. It, it, it does look like a movie, which is what a lot of the LA episodes do not they have a tighter yeah. framing and drive looks great yeah and i mean like again gilligan built it round like the, the thing about the first half of season six as much as however people feel about it is that it was consciously built around the realization that they were not in vancouver anymore yeah so that like the fact that it feels like a romantic comedy is built around the understanding that we are moving to a place that will not be dark and wet anymore so we cannot like we can't try to emulate that we will try maybe in the eighth season yeah and they, we, and like, they do to work in this and they do and i think they, they do a good job but i i think they understand in season six that it's like no we 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 can't to like trick people into assuming that coming back it's going to be exactly the same as it was so i like that the yeah, drive is built around like the fact that it's the bit there they've got this huge desert all around them all of a sudden where like i think when they did anastasia they had to paint rocks yeah it's it look, and in hd you can tell <laughs> you can i think, I think, I think Tommy has said this you can yeah. tell and it yeah. uh drive has this whole great thing about manifest destiny which you've talked about in your reviews and yeah. heading west and which, it also gave us running out of is in breaking yeah. bad so and we recently yeah. talked about this on our own podcast about the Donner Party, oh, okay. which was, again, we're still dealing with Manifest Destiny, even I think to this day. Yeah. That if you come to yeah. America, anything is possible. And I would say the it's doors not, are closing. It's not really true. <laughs> it's, it's very hard. Does Scheinman write a solo? What, in, I don't think he writes anything. It's, I mean, he writes, he's, he writes episodes with people in season seven, but I don't think he has a solo episode that I remember. I know he, he co wrote Thief and. But yeah, I, don't, I don't. I'm looking. I'm looking at the list here now. Did he not do some time on Harsh Realm? He did one episode. of Yes, Harsh he Realm, did. I You're believe, right. The other Chris Carter which, show. Yes, because well, I mean, I think that like Gilligan joked that he managed to shrug off working on either Millennium or on Harsh Realm. Yeah. Whereas I think that like of Spotnitz ended up working on both, and Shaban ended up getting pulled over. Um, Shaban did. Yeah, he did Manus Domini, The Hand of God. Um, yeah, that's an interesting um, <laughs> show that we don't have time to go into. Right yeah, Harsh now. Realm is a whole thing. <laughs> But uh, and, and Gilligan basically wrote two episodes of Millennium with Unruined Paper Hearts, which I both think yeah. would fit. They're both. I really like those episodes, especially Paper Hearts, but they're both Millennium episodes to me. But yeah, I think yeah. the next episode is Bad Law. Yeah. Which is otherwise the, known as the Butt Genie. The Butt Genie episode, which I, I kind of like. I didn't it. realize how othering that was again until watching it as an adult going, oh, my God, what is this? It's. I, it's so just it's so gross and offensive i kind of just laugh at it but you know yeah. you can't like, really take it seriously if, yeah with with badla badla is interesting it's interesting i say hedging my answer very carefully but it's, <laughs> it's interesting because i think and this is to bring it back to something that that actually uh mike noted uh when we were sorry michael noted when we were like talking about uh, like him coming onto the show and him being very much about othering. Because I think it's, it's interesting. He first shows up in season three, right? And if you look, a lot of the episodes where the X-Files got into or generated controversy around othering tended to be towards season two. So, you know, things like we mentioned, um, you know, the kind of the 
fresh bones, for example. I think the Calisari has things about yes. you know, Eastern European religions, stuff mm-hmm. like that going on. They look on. like rabbis. All, it's weird. They look like, yeah, it's, it's really odd and unusual. And you have like, you have Darren Morgan kind of mocking it with the freaks in Humber. Humber uh, yeah, where, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he, he's ridiculing the show for that. So I think that like one of the issues with Shaban is Shaban arrives kind of late to the party. Where the, like the X Files has already figured out at the end of its second season, this is maybe not a sustainable way to do horror in the '90s. But Shaban's like, no, let me try. Let me <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give him credit. It's a it's an original I, premise. This idea of what, a guy who enters orifices what, and uh, well, yeah, I'm glad you said that because you you know that's the Chris Carter thing, right? You know that's the thing with um with bad luck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was the ear. It was the ear. It was Carter, the ear. Originally, yeah. he wanted to crawl in their ears, and yeah. then Carter's like, no, no, no. In the, in the I got a much better orifice. Yeah, <laughs> in anus. Which makes it even yeah. more culturally insensitive. <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. way. In a way it does, because you're now associating this fakir with um, VCs. Yeah. He's also yeah. like a, a disabled person, too. You know, or, yes. or the, yeah. you know and it's, mm-hmm. that, that's really that's, gross. Uh, and the actor does a great job, Deep Roy, which Deep <laughs> funny Roy. name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he does a great job. And But again, it also has and that. It's been around since the 70s and stuff like that. Like Deep Roy has been around like on classic Doctor Who and stuff. I think and he was in the, Star the Wars. The Chocolate Factory. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, the original Star Wars. Ooh, yeah, I think he was. In some one of the Star Wars movies, he plays, uh, maybe he's an Ewok or something. I don't know. Like he's, yeah. he has a long career, Um, the actor. But it also has the tribal music. But I think Stephanie picked up on something we were watching it that was the main flaw, which is about his powers. What What did I say? It's about this idea that the powers aren't defined. He can basically do anything. And it's this yeah. idea. Oh, he's just magical. There's yeah. no rules. Yeah. So it's kind of hacky writing. Yeah. There's no rules to the magic. It's just whatever we need in this scene he does. And it doesn't really... Yeah. It's not coherent. It feels like what you make up as a kid if you're if you're playing like um, make believe or something, and then you got we have you always have the one kid. Well, I can do this. It's like since when? <laughs> and then you have the storyline with yeah. like the little. There's like kids at school that see him, and then they see that he's his true yeah. form, and it, it's very weird. Like <laughs> yeah. again, and, another... then, and again, like this. This is the kind of thing where it cheats and it does that thing that El Mundo Gira does, where it's like, oh, no, 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 the nonsense, the fact that it doesn't make sense is part of the plan. It's meant to be about <laughs> and Scully it, realizing that she can't figure this stuff out. That's why. And then at the end, sense. he's still alive. <laughs> it does that really yeah. lame ending of the monster, which sometimes is used effectively. You know, sometimes I think it works like in yeah. Folia Du, but it's just the monster's still alive at the end of the air, another, another airport, you know, or same airport. I don't know, but I feel like the best but, one where the monster's still alive is the fluke man. Cause it's like, yeah, it's a good yeah, reveal. It's a good reveal. Yeah. Like that gross thing. Kind of hanging around comes out of the water. You know, I yeah. love fluke man. It's so but, nasty. But, <laughs> what is the before, next? But, but before we move on from bad luck, just one thing I want to note. Okay. Uh, just finish the kind of put the button on that I kind of mentioned there earlier. I think what makes bad luck interesting is that you see a shift in this, in this other ring in the X-Files where, when they move to LA, I think they become a lot more conscious about racial othering and stop doing it as frequently. You're right. And it becomes mm-hmm. more about class. Yes. Um. So like, and like, Drive is one where class is. I feel like that's the very... Vince influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but like, even Thief in the seventh season is also it's a white guy, but it's about class as well. Yeah. And Badla, it Badla is a weird one because it's like. What if we took all the racial stuff from the earlier seasons and like tied it to the class stuff as well? Because like when he arrives, he presents as a janitor, um, and there's all yeah. this stuff going a on white about the janitor. scary janitor with a white janitor at the school, and it's like this is like you're you're combining two terrible things. Stop <laughs> doing it. Which I find like the commitment of Bad Lad to the bit is is fascinating. Is is like I find it fascinating. Not yeah. good, but there's a there's a lot of episodes. The, the pores are dangerous. There's a lot of episodes in season eight 
um, that feel kind of to me the Monster Weeks feel kind of rote. And I'll say that at Badla, at least it feels yeah. creative. You know, like, even the ones that are good, yeah. they have kind of this manufactured. Uh, I think Road Runners is my favorite season eight yeah. episode. I love that episode. Um, yeah. And that's the only Vince episode in season eight. So yes, <laughs> yes, uh, because but he I went mean, off- like Badla. Yeah, Badla even gives you the, the hand coming out of the stomach, which is a good image. Like whatever. It is. There's some the body episode, horror. There's like, some good body horror there. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Uh, and then next we have, oh, God. It's called Underneath. <laughs> yeah. So yes, my biggest is. thing is that in this episode, um, it's, it's horrible. We watched it it's like written a few months ago. Horribly. And they're always bringing in Scully as like this deuce ex machina to come in and explain stuff. Exposition, yeah. Exposition expert. And then she leaves. But the thing that really drives me nuts the most about the episode, it's going to be weird. It's the sound. So every time you hear someone walking, it literally sounds like the clip-clopping coconut sound from Monty Python's uh, (laughs) Holy Grail. (laughs) Like I I feel like I'm like, I want to see those guys behind her, like when they're walking around in the hallways. It's so loud. I mean, it's just like clip-clop. They're like, why? Why are there heel marks? <laughs> the heel sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's distracting. It's, well, it's so bad, and it's the one he he um, directed. Directs. Yeah, and he goes on to yeah. direct some episodes of Better Call Saul that are fine. They're, you know, I, I don't really think there's anything wrong with him. He said it was a learning experience, and I, I guess it was. So, <laughs> the thing is, is it went through a bad, like a production. They almost did not air it, is what I remember. Yes. And it, that's the Cinescape, the, the infamous Cinescape arc. Yes, where that, they yeah, said it's like, like, no, no. Yeah. Perhaps and, they shouldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's got a really stupid, I mean, I, it doesn't make sense. Like there's the, the killer is underneath the. Oh, yeah, they have these big gothic um, uh, um, sewers, but it's in the Midwest. And I'm like, none of that stuff exists. Like. Or I don't know if it's in the Midwest. It, it's, it's somewhere. Like, I think it's in Virginia or something. Okay, but it doesn't exist there. Regardless, yeah. it might exist maybe well, in certain parts of I New just, York City, but in I, America, we don't really have those things. <laughs> I hate the idea that his defense attorney, he goes to stay with her, the killer, and, and she after he she finds him like getting into her clothing or something. and Her, her negligence. Her yeah, and she's like, don't do this again. It's like, what is it? Just, I don't believe it. I don't believe this. Yeah, like, I don't believe a single woman would invite a creepy guy to live with her. And he's rifled through her under things. And then she's like, uh, don't do that again. Just don't do it again, but you can still stay here. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. It's it's yeah. really strange. It's a really strange uh, piece of television. And boring. Yeah, I'm, I'm, re- I'm, sorry, I'm just, I'm reading here and I'm kind of like, I, the, the, you know, the reports that this was, like, there was a bit of willy won't for Carter coming back for season nine. And apparently this was one of the stories that was in development before Carter came back, which means <laughs> that it took eight months. It was basically, yeah. <laughs> A script that took a script that took eight months to develop. Yeah, and, film and finally, well, it's like a which Jekyll in television and Hyde. is a long time. It's like yeah. a Jekyll and Hyde episode, but we've already gotten an episode like that with Chimera, which I think is better. Um, yeah. and or tra- it's like the idea of transubstantiation, which is the Catholic idea. Um, whatever. He's like a Catholic in the episode of devout, devout Catholic, and he can't face his sinful side, and and you know he turns into a guy with an ice pick who. It looks like Charles Manson. It's just really weird. There's like, a lot yeah. of weird stuff going on. Yeah, episode. it's I don't I don't know where he got the idea for the farm. Okay, so what do we think about the legacy of the X Files? I don't know. Well, I can say I mean it, it. It to me, it clearly defines the '90s. Yeah, and what the '90s were about. To me, it, I mean, it, it is the '90s. Like it's 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 as intrinsic to the '90s as grunge music. I mean, I just to me that's that's what it has. As far as like today, I love that people are still enjoying it. Um, I do think it's weird that people are, uh, trying to de-age Mulder and Scully with Photoshop, 
recently on the internet that I've been seeing this, and I'm like, what is happening? David and Jillian. David and Jillian, yeah, yeah, and they don't, it doesn't even look like that. They've started, there's this weird thing now, and look, I'm not knocking shippers, I'm friends with my shippers, but there's this weird thing now where they're shipping David and Jillian, and they're morphing David and Jillian, they're de-aging David and Jillian to ship them, and I find that a little weird. They're just taking like their eyes, or maybe like one or a mouth or something and they're sticking it on like a model's face i, I don't get and it And it's so creepy looking <laughs> yeah. i think i said something about this i probably offended some people but i'm just like it's just i, I that's not my x-files or i don't want to i don't know what you're doing so it's also ageist as well yeah like yeah. like what it they can't be is. attractive now I mean, or they're not vital well i was i was i was more going to make yeah the, the point that like you know you you will probably not find more people in in that age group who are sexier than like Dukovny and Anderson now. No. Yeah, they've yeah. aged very well, both of them. I hate to be the sleazy guy on the podcast, but both of them have aged like fine wine. Like, yeah, they have. Really they have. They're beautiful both of, human yeah. beings. They're very attractive, I, beautiful Both of them are. Beings. I hope I, I look that good. Yeah. What I, I'm yeah, I would age. settle for looking... Yeah, I would settle for looking like David Duchovny does at his age, at my age. Yes, you know? <laughs> same. Like, I, same. <laughs> I will never look th- anywhere near that good. Which I'm is 40, and I would different. like to look like him right now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm younger, unfortunately, and I yeah. would still look. Yeah. To look. I just, I just added my age, Stephanie. The... No, no, you're 28. We have this <laughs> yeah. running joke yeah. that we're 26 yeah. and 28. Because oh, okay, yeah. people think we're right. young. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know about the legacy. I mean. I think that The X-Files to me feels like a show that started as one show, became another show, and then doesn't quite ever get to the end. It kind of loses me. And and I love this show. It's my favorite show. It's not the best show, but it's my favorite show. This is what I always say. Because um, there's shows like The Americans, which I think is amazing from beginning and end. But it there's something that got lost, I feel like, about The X-Files. Like maybe because the zeitgeist changed. And now it's just... And it went on too long. It went on way too long. Yeah. Um, I think we all, you know, Darren has talked about the idea that season seven should have been the last, you know, there's an alternative version where mm-hmm. it ends at Requiem, which is where Mulder's abducted. And- I expected it to end at six, six or seven. They were going to do, cause they had said they were going to do movies. Well, the yeah. lawsuit ended that. So. Yeah. And then they never <laughs> yeah. did the movies. And I was like, I don't want to watch this show now because it's not really what, like they just kept, like, it felt like, um, like they were beating a dead horse. <laughs> I <laughs> think they get it, did going. a good job with the, the, robert patrick but it's not the same for me mm-mm. so to, to be clear like the the issue with why why the seven season won't last was because of doug herzog's ownership or kind of running of fox his scheduling of fox oh, where he famously right. had like what is canonically the worst season of television yeah everything got canceled everything except for malcolm middle malcolm middle was the one show yeah. that managed to hang on but like you end up with a situation where fox like Despite all the drama happening behind the scenes of the X-Files, despite the fact your leading actor was suing you and naming the showrunner as a co-defendant or as a witness, um, like Fox were still like, and we don't really have any choice but to commission another 21 episodes of this. And so that's why kind of you end up with season eight. And the problem with season eight is like, I love season eight. I'm a, I'm a season eight fan for all my sins. And like season eight is good. And not only is it good, that goodness is reflected in the ratings where like the the, the ratings have been kind of spiraling down through six and through seven. Um, like, the, you know, the show was ebbing down and then eight kind of like amps up just a little bit where it ends higher than it started. Uh, and Fox are like, yeah, sure. Go on. We'll do we'll take another spin. We'll roll then the nine, which is the terrible. Wheel. Terrible. Oh, man. And then I, you end up with nine. I only like two episodes out of nine. I like uh, John Doe and Improbable. And really. Jillian is so tired. I mean, she just looks yeah. Like well, she's been this, like this is the other th- at both ends. This is the other thing, okay? And I'm not 
I'm going to get called a woke soy boy for saying this. I don't care. <laughs> I don't like the way Scully is written probably after the movie. I, I, she's good in individual episodes written by individual mm-hmm. writers like Vince Gilligan or whatever, but they lose... They, they don't know what to do with Scully after a while. Part of that is just because... You can only sustain her skepticism for so long. And then she kind of... Because Mulder's not there. And Mulder is her foil. Well, that, but even in the seasons like seven and six, Mm -hmm. those seasons, like, it's hard to maintain uh, skepticism also when you're doing such fantastical episodes. That's true. You know, and they kind of yeah. lose that. And and then, you know, you'll just get stuff where Scully just says, I'm a scientist. And, and that's her character. She's a scientist. <laughs> I'm a scientist. Yeah, you get this a lot in a Chris Carter episode. I'm a scientist. That's great. Wonderful. You know, and Scully has been a role model for women. And that's wonderful. We love that. And I, I love that it's inspired women. But Scully is more than that. You know, I Jillian Anderson said something and it kind of made people mad. And I agreed with her. She says that Mulder and Scully or she said something about Scully is not the most complicated character for her to play. And... I kind of agree with that to an extent. I think Mulder and Scully are kind of archetypes, and that's but that's the way they function in the story. You know, they're he's the believer, she's the skeptic. Yeah, but they're both heroes. Yeah, and they're both heroic figures. They're, this is before you know Mad Men or Tony Soprano or Dexter and all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, the anti-hero thing. Yeah. Walter well, White. On the cusp of it as well, which is the argument that like it overstayed its welcome. Like, yeah, yeah, it did. Like, it did. Like the point where it it loses its best uh, its outstanding drama series Emmy nomination slot to The Sopranos. Like yeah. that's a sea change moment. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. And we get the uh, the episodes with the gangsters and X-Files. Gangsters, are... yes, and the bad luck when like it, it feels really passive aggressive. Yeah. Um what's the one? It's the one with um ah Beck it up forget my name, but yeah. Goldberg. Not the amazing Gold the yeah, Goldberg variation. Which I don't want, I don't like that episode, but yeah. It's I mean it's okay, but and then, then, then it's in release, which is that episode with Doggett. The, the we watched that one, the one with the title cards in season nine. Remember, mm-hmm. he finds his son. What happened to his son? It had a really cheesy gangster character in it. Oh yeah, and and Robert Patrick does such a good job, but it's written so poorly. I not yeah. Well, Shyman was involved in that oh, one. No. <laughs> I like the score though, and I think the some of the yes, music. Actually, is, I love the release. The release score is very. Good. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, the legacy of the show. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's kind of mixed. I, I don't. I'm not one of those people who hates the mythology the way the mythology turned out. A lot of fans do. I think it makes relative sense. I think there's. It doesn't make entirely. You know, it doesn't go all the way. But I think it's fine. But I feel like the show now is known more for just shipping. And, you know, that's fine, you know, for people that enjoy that stuff. But that's not really I think that's why the audience is kind of shrunk for the show in some ways. There are new people finding the show all the time, mm-hmm. though, on, you know, streaming. But especially when it was on Netflix. Um, and I'm not trying to gatekeep because, you know, everybody's a fan for different reasons. People get different things out of the show. But I just think that the legacy is it's kind of mixed for me, you know. Yeah, I think the problem with like, and again, like the mythology, it's one of those things like Lost, where people are like, oh, Lost, the ending, it turns out they were dead all along. And it's like, yeah, but like, that's like, the truth is not a good episode of television. It's terrible. It's it's a clip show. It's pretty much Chris Carter, like who has read the internet and just the internet has been like, oh man, it doesn't make any sense. He never thought any of this out. And Carter's like, well, let me sit down and lecture you for a solid sixty minutes of this ninety minute episode and explain to you via my PowerPoint presentation (laughs) how all of this makes sense. Uh, You know, back into the right. It's it's like the JFK of the X Files mythology, except like you don't need it. But I think like (laughs) the Seinfeld finale. Yes, it is like the Seinfeld finale. 
completely. Yeah, it is actually like with the characters literally on trial. But like you go back and like you look at, I would argue like some of the show's best episodes, at least in the early seasons, are mythology episodes. Like yeah, I yeah, yeah. Absolutely adore Patient X and the Red and the Black, Nice E Seven Three One. You know, we mentioned the, the cigarette smoking man, which is arguably a mythology episode as well. EBE, all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, I, I love EBE. The legacy, the legacy gets complicated outside of shipping in large part because of like the past five or six years because i think if you go back to say 2016 which is the year in which the revival show comes yes back, and it is a massive hit it's mm-hmm. like the seventh highest rated tv show of the year and you go online and everybody is really excited for it and there's all this kind of hype there and i know you know they're, they're glib response of some people is gonna be and then the episodes were released but it's also and then you look at like the what happens in culture like in 2016 and in the years that follow where you have this like mindset which is like the worst possible expression of the x-files worldview kind of taking fruit yeah i agree with that no one yet we're trust no one suddenly becomes oh well there are secret pedophilic rings happening in the basements of pizza parlors and that's i i really like i really like and i I talked to this about stephanie i really like season 11 for the most part but i understand why it didn't take off and i think it's because conspiracy culture had shifted so far to the right and the season is a critique of of trump in a lot of ways the darren morgan episode is a critique of fake news and and i was noticing on facebook i was seeing in you know the replies to the uh the official x-files account they were saying you're you're attacking my politics or you're attacking my what what's really going on so the fan the the people who want conspiracy they they're pro-trump and you're doing an anti-trump show yeah, and I mean, and the thing is that like the people who are anti-Trump don't want more conspiracy. Because yeah, now yeah, they yeah. Associate conspiracy with that. Like, I think it's different to do what the show did, which was during the '90s, which was a time of relative prosperity. Like the economy was booming, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. foreign involvement. You know, you had incidents like Haiti taking place. You had like intervention in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. um, but like it was relatively small scale. It was stable. You had like the Clinton administration, and I know like he was impeached. I know all the stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, Monica yeah. Lewinsky and stuff like that. But like that was a time of like relative tranquility and peace compared to what would follow. And so then you could do that stuff. And yeah, sorry. And then 9-11 happened. Off, Michael. That's it. Exactly. I think like Carter's like, and I do think there is a serious drop off in quality when you get to the writing of the ninth season. But I think Carter is entirely right to note that like nobody wanted to watch the X-Files after 9-11. Yeah. Like, the, the, whatever you say about like the ninth season and the quality of writing, the drop in ratings doesn't happen over the course of the season it doesn't happen as people tune in and go this is terrible it happens before the season begins the season starts significantly after 9 11 yeah yeah good because people are Mulder was gone they already knew Mulder was going to be gone it wasn't just that it was that you know and then there's the whole thing in season i know where they they keep trying to have Mulder in the show but he's not in the show but would you also say Mulder's ass appears before any of the regulars yeah a body double nothing important happens there like Mulder's ass appears on screen before Scully or Skinner. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but I mean, I feel like people at this point they want to trust the government. This whole fear of the government yes. is is suddenly gone yeah. because it's like, nope, we've been attacked. Everything's perfect. Everything's fine. We clearly know who the bad guys are. It's not our well, own. This is this is when the West Wing is popular. You know, right. Right. So yeah. it, it it's yeah. it's you know conspiracies about like go- like government conspiracies are no longer really popular because um, people have become more nationalistic. Yeah, I yeah, say. and I mean, like the ninth season is is terrible. I am not mounting a defense. Oh, I agree. Of the ninth <laughs> season, 
but you but you look at episodes like say trust number one trust no one oh yeah and like that mm-hmm. feels like it's it's it feels like Carter is like, oh, well, look, I understand where things like the Patriot Act are going. I've talked I'm about this. I'm just not capable yeah. of writing a good script around it. But like you can see the show is like, OK, we're, we're grappling with this in a way that will maybe feel more relevant if we do it in 10 years as opposed to immediately afterwards. The you know? thing that bothers me the most about the ninth season, the way Scully is handled, where she's just not my baby, not my baby, not, not my baby. baby. No, yeah, I hate the baby. baby. <laughs> Scully- and, and as you said, kind of wheeled in like an expert for a scene at a time. It's like, oh yeah, Gillian Anderson has a contractual obligation. Let's wheel her in. <laughs> and she doesn't want to be there and you can tell. And you can tell. No, She no. looks upset yeah. and pissed and she doesn't want to be there. And I, I would argue, yeah. you know, I think that's... Justifiably. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't see, I, I can understand her frustration and, and you know even in the i like the some of the revival and i like season 11 but she was i felt like she was not engaged she also just looks exhausted yeah she looks tired she looks exhausted like i am done i don't want to be here i'm i'm tired i need a nap <laughs> yeah. i need like 10 naps in a row yeah yeah i agree i, I mean i think uh the legacy of the show is mixed for me like i said and but at the same time there it's like a quilt okay and there's patches and there's things that i absolutely love even if the whole doesn't work for me all the way it doesn't go all the way for me or or the show i wanted in my mind and it doesn't that show i never got the ending to it yeah i i would agree with that for myself personally too because i for me it kind of ends around season six or even seven and then I, I just, I don't watch eight and nine. Yeah. I am not interested in this baby stuff. I'm not interested in the, because the, to me, it looks, it's like a soap opera thing. Because my mom loved soap opera. So I always had to see them growing up. And they would constantly do this thing of like tease a character that's not even there. Yeah. And they did it with Mulder. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't the want other, to watch this. The other thing, though, is something Darren's talked about, which is that the, the mythology becomes a lot more literal. And you get this stuff with like the yeah. super soldiers. And it just becomes, yes. it sounds ridiculous. Super soldier. <laughs> it's no longer colonization. It's no longer the date. It's no the longer vague, the Yeah, the vague yeah. vagaries. It, 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 it's suddenly proper nouns like super soldiers and serums and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. It, it becomes more like a kind of a 50s comic book. It becomes yeah. more like invasion, body snatchers mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It, um, it, like literally they become pod it's people. It's the you know? Carter comic book stuff becoming more yeah. obvious. <laughs> which he, <laughs> yeah. he was ashamed of and then he's finally like, Let's it go and let's let's it become the. <laughs> I have nobody's no more ideas. Stop me now. Pulpy, <laughs> you know. And, and I should be clear, like I'm the one of the three of us who does adore season eight, but I will absolutely own that. It is very much Carter going. Yeah, no, no, no. Just, just, there, just do 1950s EC comics. There's things about it I like. I, I like the first half, and and I even like like Permanum. I I like uh, the idea of women. You know, men. It's got kind of this Rosemary's Baby quality to it. I, yeah. I like that. De- uh, the one where he comes back, this is not happening, I think is a really good episode. I'm not yeah. sold on, you know, Mulder coming, being buried and then dug up. That that kind of, I, I don't know, I yeah. that loses me a little bit. That kind of strange credibility. But I think thematically, I know what you mean when you talk yeah. about that episode. I think that would work better in Supernatural. Yeah, well, I will, probably would, because they could do anything. They could show. do anything. Right? Yeah, They've got demons, demons and angels, and... And, and you can bring people back to life with the demon spell. So. It's, 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 like, it's like talking about a Buffy or angel, you know. <laughs> All right, so, so we talk about Kansas do we have time i think we have 10 minutes so can we have about 10 minutes um if, if i haven't jumped over if you guys want to talk about supernatural go ahead like, oh no 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 that's going to be a whole other yeah that's another podcast oh, okay. yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. okay cool sorry didn't mean to step on your toes <laughs> no no you haven't um well michael i'll let you leave this off because you're the one that... so we watched the cw watched the first two episodes or three episodes of that new show superman lois and one of the takeaways we got from that show is they kind of nail kansas pretty well mm-hmm. in terms of the 
your bro- your your brother's basically in the show. He's it, the. It's no longer this like everybody is friendly and kind and apple pie and neighborly and 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 embracing of people to come and and live in your town it's more standoffish it's very um i can't think of the word uh not secular dang it my brain doesn't want insular insular thank you yeah it's a more insulated uh and that is very true yes that is so true of what it's like to live in a small town in kansas or even a medium sized town in kansas um they don't like outsiders, you know. I've been here since 2003, and I always heard Midwesterners were nice, and I didn't get that. They were, like, I can tell you from, from growing up here, they were much nicer growing up, even if it was kind of couched behind that church lady smile, <laughs> crocodile grin. Um, but they were, they, they at least were more, um, not affable, but just considerate, I would say, and they had more more manners. Nowadays, nobody has a sense of, of any kind of decorum, they're rude and and they're just mean to each other out here they really there is a there is a meanness that i i don't think existed um 20 years ago and it's slowly been growing yeah 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 yeah. i agree that's that that's that adam server observation that the cruelty is the point where you see people talking about like wanting not wanting to improve the situation in which they're living but wanting to hurt others or inflict harm on others yeah and they um, do it with the is... school systems like my again I, I mentioned my mother was a school teacher and they've been doing it with, they've been messing around with the school systems for decades and you have people who are, are just actively trying to um you know, hurt the students, hurt the kids, and well, and by, but at the same time saying everything's about the kids, but really it's a lot of selfishness. Last year, I went in a department store here, and uh, I went in the restroom, and I was this was during COVID, and I was wearing a mask, and uh, this is I think before the mask was mandated in this specific store, but I was I was already wearing the mask, and a guy yelled homophobic slurs for at me for wearing the mask, you know, and around here you'll get that a lot. You'll get people who just. They think you're a sissy, or they don't take it seriously, and that would have been unthinkable twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not even kidding. Because nobody would have treated it's you so that politicized. Way yeah, nobody would have done that twenty years ago. People, people really would have helped you out if you maybe were short five dollars or even twenty in the checkout line. Someone would help you out, and I'm not saying that you know that doesn't still occur, but it was just more likely that it, that it would occur. People really were nicer, and I don't. Know, I'm not sure where the meanness comes from. I don't know if it's because of 9/11. I don't know. I honestly don't know why. Why? I think it's just the, the values have changed. It's it's kind of the the political climate is it's kind of infected everything, you know. And now it's everything ha- it's been happening mass for should the past not be political. Years. A pandemic should not be political. No, of course yeah. not. Um, I guess the other thing, one last thing, I want to ask you, Darren, because I want your opinion on this is why do you think that the Suicide Squad movie? I know me and Stephanie have opinions on this, but why do you think the Suicide Squad movie did not do well? Because I thought it was great. And I know you I, love I it. loved it. It's, it's it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. It is. Same. Frame, yeah, it's loved it. So good. Yeah. So so absolutely good. loved it. Yeah, like I I've been whelmed by the the movies this year. Yeah, this has just been like really great because it had like the Green Knight, it had the Suicide Squad. Yeah, Green Knight was great. Sensor and it had, and it had what was the other Candyman is out this weekend as well. That's a really good month. Um, in terms of like the Suicide Squad underperforming, I mean, again, we're we're first of all we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, which is makes these things hard to account for. Anyway, I would point out that it performed internationally uh, roughly on par with Free Guy. So if you look at like the international numbers written Free Guy, they seem to be reasonably comparable to one another. Yeah. Uh, which is which is interesting, particularly given that the Suicide Squad is an R-rated 18s movie internationally. Um, and I, I wonder if like the deciding factor may be it going straight to streaming. Now, I know that you have 
some of the Disney movies have turned out to have legs. I think Cruella turned out to have really good legs. But it I think did. you look at movies like, say, Black Widow um, didn't have legs that were as strong, at least in the United States. Yeah. Uh, movies like Jungle Cruise kind of tanked in their second weekend. So I wonder if it being available on streaming may have been a factor. Now, you look at it, obviously, the number of people who have seen it on streaming, according to the various metrics, is not like astronomical, uh, but it is still significant. Uh, but it is, yeah, I wonder if that might have been a factor. And then obviously you have the idea, and I think like Scott Mendelson at Forbes calls it the Tomb Raider effect, where the idea is you have an original film that is very anticipated and everybody wants to see, and everybody goes to see it, and it turns out to be maybe not what they were expecting. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a fool me once attitude, and then you make a sequel. And, and it was it was Scott, years later, too. It, this is like yeah, a while. So I Five think, years. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, I think the stink but of the I, original movie, you know, what, what, it, what, it, maybe the original, maybe the David Ayer version was better. I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but the original movie has a bad rap. I would always yeah. pick a director's version of a movie. Yeah, I want to see it, even if it's, if it's version. not, even if, even it's, if it's not great. Yeah. It, at least it's, it has it, its own integrity to it, which it, it will be interesting. And you know, interesting. Be, over, have something yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. Because I always think he has a very clear voice in his films. I've liked. He does have his, a style. I I'll like give his him movies. That. Yeah, I do like his movies a lot, and I, I don't feel like he he his voice is in. The I wonder squad. though, Darren. I wonder sometimes if if Warner Brothers has now got kind of a bad rep because a lot of their movies do not seem to be doing well. You know, because the Conjuring movie, the latest one, that one kind of tanked. I I don't think it did very well. And it just seems like a lot of their movies are just not doing well, the, except for Godzilla versus Kong. I think that did well. That did very well, and that had the benefit of being one of the first movies after COVID. So yeah, because like, people, people thought COVID was over. Cinema, yeah. Open. <laughs> yeah, like like it was like, yeah, we'll go see absolutely anything. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people who aren't us, like, track these movies. Like, I mean, you know, I, I know people who are like, yeah, is, is Superman going to be in the next Avengers? That sort of thing. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man and Justice League. <laughs> well, we're, you know, I mean, like, people, Twitter is not real life. Like, yeah, Twitter yeah, is confusing exactly. in that yeah, we're, way. I'm in this bubble of Zack Snyder people, and they think it's all, you know, and they and they hated the Suicide Squad, and I'm like, I don't care. I, I judge the movie based on the movie. I don't care. I'm and not, it was so good. Like, I, yeah. I still understand that yeah, attitude. Like, it was so good. And, and honestly, I, I like think there's... both Snyder's Justice League and the Suicide yeah, Squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, I, and I know you like BBS a lot more than a lot of people And I think they're do. direct yeah. sequels. I yeah. think they actually live in the same universe. I think they, they work together. Like, it's, it's, it's like the Doom Patrol version of, of it, it a Warner is. Brothers movie, and I I love it bonkers. so much. It's so bonkers, and I do yeah, think there's yeah. a craving, and maybe it's not reflected in the box office, but I do think there's a craving from people to see more adult content in movies, like the way we had in, in the '80s. Now I know they went overkill, yeah. and everything was like rated R and, and just blood and guts. Well, everywhere. you want to show the consequences of violence. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. I think that is missing. And some of the Marvel movies don't they don't do that. No, they don't do that. And then I feel they feel weightless to me. Weightless and a little too sanitized. Yeah, a little too yeah. clean, that, yeah. and, then, and then there aren't consequences. And for there, when bad we love happen. we love Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you know, movies like that, they're great. But I feel like sometimes the Marvel movies are just very sanitized and they, they always try to do this thing to where they can get, they can come out of it without saying anything. You know, they don't want to offend yeah. anybody. And that's, I, I yeah. don't like that approach to filmmaking. Well, yeah, Captain America doesn't punch Nazis, which is like, <laughs> and, and, and all that, make, that makes me sound like kind of, you know, center of the road, Rush Limbaugh on his radio show. It's like, why doesn't Captain America punch Nazis anymore? But I did find it rather strange. And it's like, no, this is the, this is like the character's defining attribute is that he punches Nazis. He's most definitely like punches he was, Nazis. 
<laughs> yes. yes. It's like, why, why, why would you go out of your way to explain that the people he is punching are not Nazis? Presumably so you can sell They don't want to thin the, Europe, yeah. Right? The actual Nazis yeah, uh, <laughs> might be watching well, the movies. Uh, I, 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 d- I don't think that's it. To, to give them some credit, I suspect it's more that it would be if you have a swastika on the poster, if the Red Skull is wearing a Nazi yeah. uniform, you can't put it on. You can't put it up in Germany, for example. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, and then so it, it might I, mess I with the G rating. The, there's yeah, also some suspect- stuff with with China where they have to be careful because you know there's different rules yeah. over right. there. Right, and China, uh, it's cultural norms and you know things. Well, no, they the finance so many thing about, like, Yeah, that's it exactly. And the wonderful thing about like. Disney and China, and again, sorry, this is tangent upon a tangent, but like what I find fascinating about Disney's relationship with China, Disney will bend over backwards to adjust the content of their movies to favor what they believe the Chinese market wants. Yes. Things like, say, Mulan. Yes. Um, or things like giving Iron Man 3 its own Chinese version with an enhanced subplot in which, like, a major Chinese movie star shows up and lectures Tony Stark on how he needs to be more wholesome and, like, embody better values and virtues. And what happens is, A, Chinese audiences go, don't, well, we don't want this stuff. No, we, we don't want the this. The rest of the world's got, yeah. Like, we, we saw, uh, you know, three or four Mulan movies last year, and they were all more visually interesting than this. And uh, the other thing that happens is that, like, the controversy blows up around them, and, like, you end up with Beijing burying Mulan because of the co- the press coverage. Yeah, that, I remember you know, that. Disney get when they thank, yeah, when they thank the, like, people operating concentration camps. In yeah, yeah, because they, they f- didn't and, they film like, the movie partly in one of those? Yeah. Yes. Which is in, in horrifying. Yeah, that's horrific, uh, yeah. 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 And when I and found I out, like, uh, I didn't want to see the movie. That I, I didn't either. Yeah, and I was so I, excited yeah. for that movie, and then all this, all these details I, are just, coming ugh, out. Like, I would not watch. Oh, it. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, like my my issue with it is that I saw like it was one of the last press screens I saw before COVID. So I had seen it like six months beforehand, and then when it's released, all this stuff comes out. I'm like, wow. Um, but I mean, like even look at stuff with say the like Shang Chi. Sorry, yeah, Shang, oh, sorry. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings right. that you have at the moment, where like that has been specifically tooled for the Asian market in terms of like bringing in a diverse cast, right. bring in an Asian American director, bring in like Tony Leung, who is this huge Hong Kong action star, and this whole press tour that they're doing, and like they make the choice in producing the movie to reintroduce the character of the Mandarin, who is like a an unfortunate Fu Manchu stereotype. Yes, from yes, yes. From Iron, American comics that they made fun of in Iron, Iron Man three. Yeah, or, or... yeah, for being an Orientalist stereotype. And not only that, they combine him with the character of literal Fu Manchu from the Master of Kung Fu comic book. Yes, uh, no. who is Shang Chi's father. <laughs> and no, no, like, like, and you're like, this is a terrible idea for a movie you are planning. And to I'm looking forward to that movie, but yeah, that's bad. That's yeah. really but, bad. But, yeah. But like you look at like the, the media reaction online in China is people are people see what is happening here, but also like Kevin Feige, who is like one of the most media savvy producers working in Hollywood is. today, is like doing the Chinese press tour, having to explain how this is not Fu Manchu. And that's not that's not how you want to be publicizing <laughs> your big push for like, you know, the Asian what, kind of market what, thing. What was that with John Cena had to apologize to China? They made him... Yes, he mentioned Taiwan. He Anytime mentioned you mention China, yes. yeah, yeah, they're like, nope, yeah, nope, He nope. said he was thrilled to be in this country, I think was exactly what when, he said. He said something along the lines of I'm thrilled to be in your country, and it's like, what do you mean your country? It's like, oh. When I think um, of the original Mandarin character, I think of that Doctor Who episode with the awful... Uh, yeah, yes, yes, the talents of Wang Xiong. Yes, yes, yes. I, I showed Stephanie what that looks like. That 
face. It's yeah. so bad. Oh, yeah. It's oh, bad. it's so bad. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I heard, too. And that was 1974, I think. Yes. Like, it, was not, it was not ages ago. Yes. Yeah. Well, and who said, like, the movie was an experiment? Was it? Um, was oh, the CEO? Disney CEO. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, Chapak. Chapak, which is, yeah. I just keep thinking it's Bob Iger, but it's not. I, it feels like a Bob Iger thing to say. <laughs> But he would just he's like Bob insults. Iger, but bald. No, I'm just yeah, he's kind of he's meaner. Yeah. I think he's meaner. Yeah. He just sounds kind of clueless in some of his stuff. I'm like, how could you say that? I mean, it's it's kind of the fr- I mean, to me, it's like it's it's the Asian version of what Black Panther was to African-Americans yeah. and other yeah. black people around the world. And to say that about a majority Asian cast is, oh, God, it's horrible. Yeah, I can see why they but were offended. But the thing is, like, you can see the logic. Like, again, it's like the it's like the Mandarin thing, where you can see like internally where the logic of him saying that is, because he's not saying it in relation to the cast. He's saying it in terms of it's going to be a theatrical exclusive movie that Disney is releasing, unlike Jungle Cruise, unlike Black Widow. Right, right, and right. That's why it's experimental. But you're also like, read the room. <laughs> understand that when you say this thing what makes this movie special isn't the fact that you are not fleecing people on disney plus premium access it's that it is a chance to see people who look like them in these roles on screen around the world yeah. for the first time and it's like you know like again read the room read the it's, room it's, yeah it's shocking yeah because representation matters matters it really doesn't yeah. i am i am really excited to see this i mean i, I am I'm i've noticed how um watching movies or, or television shows and you start to see characters like minority characters in in um in leading roles and it's it's wonderful because you start thinking of people in a different way that maybe you didn't even know you weren't doing and and so it's brought in my my horizons well, just seeing, seeing more people darren has talked about too i'm gonna wrap it up but one thing darren's talked about too is uh, there's an article he wrote uh, about the whole Mary Sue thing and how that's just thrown around like in the what if the, the uh, I haven't seen any of the Marvel what if stuff but you've talked about how the Mary Sue stuff Peggy is, Carter and yeah and it's ridiculous and, and Ray and, they do it to Ray and so anytime a, 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 a woman is, is the lead they're like that's oh exactly. she's a Mary I don't, Sue I'm gonna be honest I don't I didn't like the Captain Marvel movie but I don't think she's a Mary Sue yeah you know, I, yeah, I think no, the problem with that movie is that like it's got a twist that everybody can see a mom yes, coming. Yes, and yes, yes. An hour and forty. An hour I, I, and I love I love Brie Larson, so you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. Mary Sue. No, she's not a Mary Sue. Yeah. All right, Darren. So where where can we find you at? Where can uh, people? Find so yep, you can find me all the places that you mentioned the start there. So I'm at the Escapist Magazine, where I publish at least twice weekly. I do a video every two weeks with the wonderful Omar Ahmed uh, doing the edits. Uh, I joke. And not entirely unfairly, he does all the good stuff and I do everything else. Um, I also co-host a podcast with my good friend, Andrew Quinn, uh, where we do the 250, which is the IMDb 250, yes. where once a week we will talk at length about a particular movie. Um, I don't know when this is going out. Do you have a rough idea when we're going? When you're going to release this? Do you I want to release it uh, probably this weekend. I feel well, like we okay, have too many coming tight. out this week, This week, but okay. I... Oh, I think it a... should come out next week, and Michael well, thinks it should come out What do you think, week. Darren? What, what do you think? We're releasing three podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I'm not... That's insane. See, yeah. that's okay, what I that's said. There's going to be a dry a... spell for two weeks because we're we're changing our schedule to every like um we're every two re- weeks to a sane yeah. to a sane schedule. Yeah. That's um, what I that's okay, what I said. Well, Last one I was intoxicated, okay. so I didn't remember it. So. <laughs> Okay, well, assuming that this does come out next week, you'll be catching us at the end of our Indiana summer where we're looking at the four Indiana Jones movies. Oh, yeah, I've been listening to that. Andrew, we're marking our 25th, or sorry, our fifth anniversary, our 250th episode by looking at Christopher Nolan's Tenet next week. Awesome. If this releases... 
at a more sane schedule uh, will probably be coming into October. So we'll be covering uh, with the wonderful Dr. Bernice Murphy, the fantastic Joey Kyo. Uh, we'll be covering Manos, the Hands of Fate. And we'll be covering uh, Alien from 1979. Awesome. The original Haunted awesome. House in Space movie. Awesome. So, and you can follow me online at Darren underscore Mooney. Come talk to me or yell at me about movies and, and all this. <laughs> and what about your well. books? Uh, your books too, let's not forget. Oh, Yes, I absolutely should. My publisher uh, would be texting me immediately and angrily. Yes, yes I am. Uh, as you mentioned at the start, two books um, at the moment. Well, three, three books out. Anyway. anyway, so I have Opening the X-Files, a critical history original show, which is the kind of like my attempt to make sense of the X-Files as a cultural artifact of the 90s. Um, I'm really kind of proud that I was able to do that. And I, I think the book holds up really well. And it's just an attempt to basically go through and look at everything in the context and try and explore what the X-Files was saying about the time it was produced, right. how it holds up, how it came about, the unique factors that made it, for me, one of the defining shows of the decade. It's great. I read is, it. As you mentioned, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. And the other book is... Um, Christopher Nolan, Critical City of the Films, which goes through Nolan's filmography uh, one film at a time. Again, thrilled to, to have the chance to do that. And then a third one, which will be releasing next year, um, is The Black Archive, uh, which is a series of books about Doctor Who, where awesome. they do they do one book per story. So over the course of the 200-odd episodes of the show, a writer gets assigned or pitches a particular story that they would like to write an entire book about. I pitched for Kill the Moon, which is the one in which the moon turns out to be a dragon egg starring Peter Capaldi. Um, I think it's a monumental episode of television. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was before um, uh, the, uh, well, I'm sad about the female doctor, what happened there, because I love the actress. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. Jodie Whittaker. Um, but yeah, so, and I think like that, that, that the moon turning out to be an egg is, is a moment where everything changes for the show, I think, as well. But that's, sorry, not to get too, too sidetracked there. No. Um, and, yeah, and and that's that's really it in terms of stuff to plug. Sorry for the the massive magic book. No, we, that was great. We love you to plug your stuff because it's it's good stuff to read and people so, should read it. So do you... going to thank Darren for being on the show, and I can't wait to have him back on. Yeah, the show. please come back. We'd love to. We'd have love you. to have you come back Any, and anytime. We'll want to talk, talk about Man of Steel and horror and his superheroes as horror things because I think they kind of are. So I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. And then what were Absolutely, you going to say, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just want to thank you for coming on. And it's good to put a face. uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, everyone. So how about Darren Mooney? He was great. He is great. He's like a encyclopedia of pop culture. I feel stupid now. <laughs> I feel really dumb. He's I'm intimidated. An, he's an entire library is is locked in his brain. Yeah. He's just rapid fire. Bam, bam, so, bam. And so fast. Yeah, really, yes. really quick. I couldn't even keep up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm smart, but he makes me feel like I'm Forrest Gump. So. And that's not true because Michael has an eidetic memory and reads so much that it is intimidating <laughs> to me. If you say so, honey. <laughs> okay, S- Stephanie. So what's your takeaway about the X-Files? In the end. In the end? I, I'm going to say, I'll take the good with the bad as long as I can remember the good. 
I mean, it spawned a entire new shows from writers who got their their uh, prestige TV. prestige TV that got their start from the X Files. The kind of TV people in New York watch. And the X Files was also a uh, the first of its kind to really do the cinematic style style of television and, and create something that. TV, Pushing the boundaries right, of what television could do TV, in the 90s. TV back in the day was really considered, if you went from like being in a movie to TV, it wasn't like it is now where it's, it's oh, that's a good thing. You can do that and make a lot of money. It's prestigious and still get the same kind of It was looked down upon. It was looked very much Even the much good shows upon. were looked down upon. Yeah, even the really, really good television. And, and the X-Files was kind of the first of its, any of them, to, to elevate I would say television. Frank Spotnitz, one of the writers, said that TV was looked upon when he started writing on X-Files. TV was looked upon as televised plays. Just people standing and talking. You know, talk, talk, yeah, talk. Yeah, soap operas. It was the yeah. land of soap operas and talk shows. And that's that's kind of what it is. And it had the stench of mediocrity. And I bet, and some of you may not know this if you're not, and it's fine if you're not huge, huge, huge X-Files fans or want to know every little tidbit, but some of your favorite shows... Um, were created from writers who wrote for the X-Files, like uh, Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan, that's his show. Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. 24. Um, Homeland is another one from, I can't think of the right writer from that one, maybe you know. Uh, it's Howard Gordon. Exactly. And Chip y- Johansson. There you go. Uh, so and ma- Alex Gonza, uh, three writers, you know, from, from 1013, 1013, which is Chris Carter's production company. And another show that has a huge cultural impact, and I would even say a little bit on our show, is supernatural. supernatural yeah and i they kept the same production crews makeup artists uh they have a director kim manners location uh, all of it but yeah. also the writer we discussed and we mocked uh john chibin he goes on to supernatural to do much better work it's really really good and, and he goes on to he works for he goes on to breaking bad and he does ozark now so he's he's turned into a really good writer exactly so i mean so he's 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 learned a lot yeah because his he early grew. his early stuff with the x-files was hit or miss <laughs> at best yeah it wasn't it wasn't the best and and uh there were some good ideas there but he was really wrapped up in storytelling from a of a 19th century victorian victorian othering era and it's cultures of uh, cabinet of curiosities type stuff yeah things to be ogled and and something mi- old men in suits with cigars looking stare at kind of horror <laughs> so what is, i want to ask you another question so you we both like the episode Roland. i love that episode why do you th- what is it about that episode you're like i think i think the character of roland is um underestimated and I think people do that a lot. It's a great performance by the it's, actor, it's whose name I can't say because it's too hard to say. It's it's really weird. But um, and, and also kindness itself. Uh, sweetness and kindness is often looked at as weaknesses. And I think there's something about that character that really resonates. Um, yeah, I think it's the best performance of the first season from a guest actor, which the, I think is, is a hot take because it's got Beyond the Sea. The guy uh, plays Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, you know, that episode. Yeah, yeah, he's really but, good. So... I'll explain what Roland is. Roland is an episode from the first season that a lot of fans just never talk about. And it's about a murder that happens at a jet propulsion laboratory. A scientist is sucked into a wind tunnel. And the prime suspect is a janitor named Roland who is, I would say, mentally impaired or autistic. He has like he has one of the more severe forms of autism, yeah. but not so severe that he can't work. But it's it's he has to live in a and they still do this with with. Like uh, a halfway house, yeah, but they're not called halfway houses. Or a convalescent home. It's like, not a convalescent it's, home. It's like a. It's like a. Home. It's almost like a nursing home, but for 
for adults who can still work and but they they need a little bit of extra attention to make sure that they're they're doing okay anyway um roland becomes like the prime suspect and the mystery of the episode is how is he you know killing what's happening to him he's having these horrible nightmares of murdering people and he doesn't want to hurt anybody he's really innocent and Mulder and Scully investigate, and they find out that there was a scientist, uh, a rocket scientist, who died uh, about six months ago in a horrible car accident. And it was so bad that the only thing they could salvage was his head. And his head has been cryogenically preserved. This, this is where it gets really weird, like sci-fi weird. And the head, it turns out, is the, vi- is the killer in the episode. The head is controlling his brother because they're twins. Yeah, Roland- unbeknownst to Roland. Yeah, Arthur Grable, that's his brother, Roland's brother, is, was a scientist. And these other scientists have been stealing his work. So it's kind of like a Tales from the Crypt type thing. But uh, yeah, the cryogenic stuff was really popular in the 90s. Uh, but the episode, you really, I really feel for Roland in the episode. And at the end, you're not sure whether he's free of his brother's control or not and that's it leaves on this kind of ominous note which yeah. the x-files did so well they did that really well i'm i'm gonna go with that he did leave <laughs> yeah well we're and speaking of chronics uh we are in the future going to talk about chronics because it's this culty like fringe science of life preservation and this is the thing you know with jeffrey epstein wanted his penis frozen that's so gross i think i'm thinking of that myself <laughs> but no i i think it's fucking weird I'm just not into the chronics thing. It's it's considered a pseudoscience. It, well, I just don't know how you can bring back icicle corpses. You know, like this podcast, Stephanie, we promote <laughs> pseudoscience. Okay, one more thing about the X-Files. The movie. The bee. We say we're not shippers, but are we happy with the bee? No, that that bee is a the ultimate cock blocker of all cock blockers. Did it stall the development of the show? Yeah, it did. It really did. Apparently, this is what Vince Gilligan thinks, by um, the way. And I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a shipper. I, I, You do like their relationship. Well, but because Mulder and Scully are the X-Files. so They the, are, they are. Look, we'll be the first to tell you that. They are the X-Files. And, but yeah, they, you, Mulder and Scully in, in tandem with the stories. Exactly. That's yes. what I like about it. So I don't need to see an entire long, drawn-out relationship. I don't care if they have sex. I don't care about that stuff. You don't want to look at, like, manipulated fan photos? You, no, never. Of them as, like, 20-somethings? <laughs> what, I think what, what most of us wanted was just that kind of, like, um, acknowledgement that they have feelings for each other, that that's a real thing. We're not just imagining it, or you're not going to gaslight us and say that that's not happening. Um, and kind of leave it at that, you know, that when I saw the movie, thing. when I saw the movie, I saw it opening day, it was sold out. I did too. There was a man in the theater, a man. Okay. Not being sexist here, but a grown man at seeing when the bee happens. He was like, God damn it. <laughs> I think there were curses in my theater. And he, 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 there was a collective groan at that. Beast, yeah. Because it's a really moving, beautiful scene. I mean, he's like, Mulder's professing his love. I think I think it's the best scene in the movie. To Scully, it's it's really beautiful, and, mom, and and how up much up until that point, I think it's the best. scene How in the much movie. she means to him, and and you know he'd be lost without her, and all this stuff, and it's one of probably the most romantic pieces in there. But there are other instances of romance, but it's yeah, it's a big deal. As and then it's the a cock block, and, and then they just cock block it, cock with the B, and it's like. Really? It was so it's such a shitty thing Cock to do. Block to the and B sounds like a 90s <laughs> uh electronic song, like Chemical Brothers or Or no, it's a metal band. Cock blocking bees. <laughs> bom, 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 bom. But yeah, I mean it could have stalled out some of the the later seasons and I think it it screws with the momentum of the show. Yeah. For sure. 
The and show, like I it said, alienate some of the fans because I, I think they're just like, man, you know, they're like me. They, they're not necessarily looking for. I don't need to watch moonlighting here, but I just want there to be more of an acknowledgement that they well, moonlighting was a good show. So. Moonlighting was great, but they see they, they don't cock block us. Yeah, but then the show <laughs> ended once they got together. And I don't think it had to end. I, I don't think it has to end that way, or you have to to everything has to revolve around the relationship because, like I said, they are the X Files. They are the show. I think I was right when I told Darren that the X Files starts as one show becomes another show but then the show it becomes it never quite finishes and i think that's true i think and partly because it moves into a time and place and culture that it, it, can't it doesn't follow. fit anymore it doesn't fit even the late 90s and i think that's one of the reasons why season six uh is lighter is because by the late 90s everybody's in a good mood yeah that's when grunge is over too grunge. yeah grunge it's yeah people were less disaffected at that for point. all you youngsters um, out there who don't know what it was like <laughs> in the 90s let Grandpa Stephanie or Grandpa Michael and Grandma Stephanie tell you. <laughs> you could get a job at the drop of a hat. You could talk your way into any job anywhere. You could do that in the eighties too. I've you heard. Could. Yeah, I've heard. I heard that. I, I wasn't old enough to work in the eighties. I mean, but you could you you'd be like, Yeah, um, I have these skills. Now everything is like a computer and I don't I don't even know how you apply. So uh <laughs> it's like I my my bullshitting skills are of no use now. I will leave it at this. The X Files, it's not the best show. But it's my favorite show, and I'll leave it at that. And now, we're going to talk emails, and I'm going to read off the first email, and it's kind of a positive email. Oh. Yeah, we get positive emails <laughs> occasionally. Jimmy Sangster writes, Are you ever going to do a podcast on the black-eyed children? They are real! Exclamation. <laughs> um, got some good news for you, Stephanie. We are going to do a podcast about... Uh, sorry, Jimmy. We are going to do a podcast about the uh, Black Eyed Children. They're uh, Stephanie's niece and nephew. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> Stop. Actually, Jimmy, the Black Eyed Children are the larval, larval form of incels. Black pill too early. <laughs> no, they are not real, guys. Uh, Jimmy, I'm sorry, but they are a modern urban legend, a kind of creepypasta, American folklore. We might talk about them when we talk about the urban legends in America. That's going to be a fun because I will likely be drunk, you know, like tonight. <laughs> and it'll be a drunk history about creepy memes on the internet. All right. So Tiffany writes, I'm really enjoying the podcast. One of one of three. Yay. I Thanks, checked Stephanie. out Stephanie's Instagram and her makeup is rad. What products does she use? I want her look. I just want to say, guys, we're not sponsored by anybody, but if you'd like to sponsor us. I would love that. That'd be so, so awesome. So is it blood magic stuff? <laughs> no, no. Um, first off, I want to say it's a lot of practice. It's just uh, I was a makeup artist. Like I said, I was a working makeup artist for years, and I've had to kind of relearn my craft through this because um, I didn't wear makeup for quite a few years. I was just – I didn't feel good, and I didn't like – a lot of stuff was making my skin itch. So uh, when Michael requested that I that – I, glam up for him for some birthday photos I was that's like, sure. because i'm the patriarchy <laughs> um i decided i have a huge gluten allergy and i have sensitive skin i've got a gluten allergy it doesn't just affect the inside of my body i can't even use like lotions or face creams or cosmetics with it in there so that was where a lot of my trouble of trying to find makeup to put on so i'm sorry if this is like boring everybody in the room but it's important <laughs> so the brand i t i use for like my face and uh, lashes and things like that as tart. Uh, it's a it's a great brand even if you don't have a gluten allergy. I think they're vegan. 
It just doesn't have a lot of synthetic junk in there, and it's just a lot gentler on your skin. The only problem I have with Tarte is that the entire collection is not in one damn store. <laughs> so you either have to get part of it in Sephora or the other part in um, Ulta. And if you go to the Tarte website, it doesn't always work for everybody like me. So for some reason, it's glitchy. It doesn't work. And then for the uh, eye makeup of the really flashy stuff, that's mostly sugar pill. And they're a fabulous small um, – is it – BIPOC. Yeah. You yeah. heard that sponsors? Uh, <laughs> uh, own company in LA and they are gluten-free. It's vegan and they have the most pigmented, beautiful eyeshadows and their liquid lippies are just very comfortable to wear on their mat. They do have some really nice glosses and the way their glitters feel are not that crunchy because I love makeup so much. So, so that's mostly what I use. And then some stuff is like some things that are, I still have like uh, some Urban Decay palettes that, um, don't irritate my eyes or things. But yeah, mostly it's tartan sugar pill at this point and what I'm using. Uh, when she talks about makeup, it's like Chinese. I don't understand what she's <laughs> saying. I'm just, it's alien. So Dave Cullen writes, do you remember the Clarence Roberts case from the old Unsolved Mysteries TV show? That's one of my favorite segments. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and uh, he's asking if we're going to cover that case. And I, I actually think we might cover it um, I want to cover it. But it's, we'll do it in an Unsolved Mysteries episode. It's like a short, it's a kind of a short story. Yeah. But it, it's it's kind of a ghost story because it's a, it's, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's basically this guy dies over and over again and keeps coming back, essentially. I know that weird. sounds ridiculous. Yeah, but it's, it's a weird story. It'll make sense when you hear what we're talking about. And maybe we'll find some other stories to kind of uh, put in there so it's an actual full Yeah, episode. there's a lot of those. Like, they're not quite enough for a whole episode, but they'll be... Short but they're story. interesting. They're yeah. interesting. We'll kind of go back and forth talking about them. Right, right. So yeah, I do. I do think we would because I like. I like that episode yeah. too. Uh, Ted Carroll asks, "Do you or Stephanie believe in ghosts?" And I'll go first. Uh, yes, I do. What about you, Stephanie? And I already know what you're going to say because you're a witch. But. <laughs> um, yes, and I've also uh, communicated with them. I have seen them. But not in the way if you think of John Edwards or the Long Island. Yeah, somebody medium. asked if you're a psychic, so let's explain this. Okay, so yes. Am I the most strongest clairvoyant you'll meet? No. My my talents lie closer into the empath realm. But I am I am clairvoyant. <laughs> uh, I'm just... Uh, sometimes it's really strong and sometimes it's not. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a fritzy radio that works when it wants to. So... It's, yeah, it's that kind of thing. If, I can't do readings. If I, anybody I sends to. an email saying we're Stephanie's a kook, we're not going to read it. I don't care if people don't believe. It doesn't matter to me because I know what I know. Well, they're going to think I'm a kook about after what I say. I mean, sometimes maybe maybe we'll tell this. I'll tell the story about how I I knew because for a long time when I growing up, I thought I was just kind of losing my mind. I didn't know what was happening. Uh, but but we were watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries, and they would talk about psychics, and they would have psychics on. There's a lot of frauds in there, though. Exactly. And so I didn't know what to believe. And and again, my, my guess... There's like a woman who sweats gold. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. My my abilities lie more on the empathic side, so they're they're not as much uh, visual. Yeah. And the auditory stuff is more things that I hear it more in my voice than I do... Um, and I have no empathy, so voice. you guys are out of luck. No. So, so, like I said, it's so like... Some psychics are really, really strong, and they're real. And then there's there are kooks and frauds out there that are trying to rip people off and steal their money. Um, how did I get into this? Oh, because of the ghosts. Yeah. yeah. You believe in ghosts? Yeah. So I, I believe in ghosts because I've interacted with the ghosts. It's like the Conjuring movies. Yeah. Sometimes they, they freak you out. The, 
the and I'll just one note on ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> ghosts can't hurt you. They can frighten you, but they can't hurt you. That's not what happens on American Horror Story stuff, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> or Supernatural. <laughs> so when I was giving advice uh, uh, earlier this week to one of our listeners about how to how to either tame the ghost, or I think get along that's with a it. serial killer in the walls. I'm just no, say. I don't think it's a serial killer in the walls. I think it's. But if you do think there's a real person, you know, messing about, call the police. Exactly, call the police. Unless but, you're black. No, no. But don't. honestly, everybody has has their own version of uh, psychic ability. It's it's what we call our gut instinct, and or you know when someone's looking at you across the room and you turn around and there's someone staring at you. So everybody has this ability. It's not like I'm just special or something. It's it's to a stronger degree or lesser degree i guess uh, this is a part where i give my big reveal answer oh okay oh i forgot <laughs> i might have actually gone out on a date with a ghost what yeah i'm not we'll get into this when we talk about hauntings but it's I, stephanie doesn't know about this i'm keeping this close to the how chest. have you never told me this i have secrets <laughs> you just now learn this <laughs> On the podcast. Yeah. And now everybody's like, God, these people are fucking crazy. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck these assholes. <laughs> April writes. I like that name. Uh, are you guys planning on covering cults? Do you believe in them? I'm a, I am a woman and I like Stephanie. She is great. One of the few women that likes Stephanie. Thanks. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Let me be clear. Cults do exist. QAnon, Scientology, Nexium, Woke Twitter. I would make the argument that all organized religions are cults of some form or another, unfortunately. It's where they start. You know, the way housewives are into serial killers? <laughs> That's me with cults. I find the psychology of cults fascinating. If you're referring to satanic cults, no, there has never been any evidence of a widespread satanic conspiracy. There is a church of Satan, but that's not the same thing. They're just a bunch of atheists. And hedonists. And trolls. They're trolling Christianity. We're going to talk about that next week. <laughs> That was some the the satanic like worship Satan cults. That was something cooked up by churches in Geraldo. We will be talking more about Geraldo next week a lot. Thanks, April. Good old dumb Geraldo. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, it's time. It's Karen time. Oh, the Karens. Get out your Karen emails. I want to hear from uh, what's her name, Heather. Heather. Heather, Heather came from back. last week. She wrote us back. Heather Dyer came back. She wrote us back, and she is not happy. She's so upset. Did I hit a nerve, Heather? You hit something. She writes in the subject line, Do not mention me again on your pod. Oops. Oops. Too late. (laughs) We did. She writes, Karen is a term invented by sexist men on social media. Only a Karen would say that. Yes. I'm not racist, but... (laughs) Both of you are sexist vulgarians who hate women. Mm-mm. Is she like a church lady from the 80s? What is this? I have a master's degree, and I am a professor from where? The U- University of YouTube? Prager you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. You are both probably high school dropouts, and your awful grammar and foul language. Fucking A. She couldn't even write that properly, by the way. <laughs> so... And I'm not going to crap on people and their education levels. But you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm crapping on this person who has a pretend education level. Because I don't buy that she actually has a master's in anything. I don't think this woman's a nice person, I was going (laughs) to say. 
Stephanie is clearly a victim of internalized misogyny. You tried to say this last time. She hates other women. I don't. And is clearly jealous of women like me. I am not. Who do not need men. I think you do. Heather cannot get a man. That's, That's why a, she's saying yeah. that. So, or a woman. Yeah. Whichever way you fly, or I don't really care. Dildo, what, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Something sexual. She says the woman is a narcissist with her eye-rolling, inducing Instagram. Does she have an OnlyFans? Okay, now we're slut-shaming. So you're gonna you're gonna go after like sex workers and people who participate in that who are she trying to make a living. She actually says you're a sex worker. I'm looking at the email because she looks like a sex worker. There's nothing wrong with being a sex worker if it's no. your own choice. And I don't. I'm not talking about like she. She says you look like a sex worker. Then says sexism is no joke. She just made a sexist comment. She just says something really horrible. Um. Yeah, sexism is sexism is no joke. Stephanie needs to stop the cigarettes. They're not real. That's a male thing. Okay. Only men smoke, Stephanie. You know where I heard that from when I was reading things about the 1800s and the early 20th century and about how what things were considered male and what things were considered female, feminine, and what was acceptable for a proper young lady to do. And one of them was not to smoke. You know, from when we couldn't vote back then. This woman. <laughs> she says that's a male thing. Only trashy men are smokers these days. It is foul, and so is her mouth. Smoking isn't sexy. It is when Stephanie does it. <laughs> I would disagree. Have you not seen any of those beautiful silver screen starlets through the Nor, years? Uh, look, They're me beautiful. and Stephanie are going to continue doing the pictures. She's going to continue smoking in the photos. My faux cigarettes. They're stage It's a, an aesthetic we like. We like it. It's, it's our thing for our podcast. It's fun. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Where am I at? Oh, she says, Stephanie isn't sexy. Any woman who wants to be sexy has been indoctrinated by the systemic uh, this is male confusing. gaze. Stephanie isn't sexy. So what is sexy then? I I'm confused. You're not allowed to be attracted to other human beings and have sex. Is that what she's saying? Uh, yes. It's it's not making any sense. This is like, this is, this is hurting my brain. This is incoherent. <laughs> it's cognitive dissonance, folks. She says, I feel so bad for that poor girl who said Stephanie was her role model. That's like saying Courtney Love is your idol. <laughs> Courtney, Courtney Love is a crackhead, and I agree, but uh, I mean that Courtney Love, you don't want her as an idol. She's crazy. But this woman is Courtney Love. <laughs> Just, She's a patriarchal Courtney Love. <laughs> yeah. She says, I plan on doing a lecture tomorrow about women like Stephanie, gender oh. traitors who exist only to serve men and live unhealthy lifestyles. Do not mention me again in your pod or I will sue... You know what, Heather, if you're actually what you say you are, and I really don't believe it, but if you really are actually what you say you are, that could be illegal. Maybe she did a YouTube video. That that could be that could make you liable with the college that you're with where you teach the so-called women's studies. It's unethical. It's unethical at the very least. And if you're galvanizing your students to be writing into us to say hateful things, by the way, I have never written an email a post, a comment to any woman, ever. I've never said things like this to a woman in person. Um, the things that Heather has said to me in these past two I'm emails. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to, you know, no, 
if in the future, after this day, if you guys write in attacking <laughs> Stephanie's appearance, if you tell me to criticize Stephanie or any of this stuff, we're not reading this stuff. We're not interested after this. This it's is why boring. Yeah, it's funny at first, and then it just gets boring. Honestly, it's boring. You guys are wasting your time because we're just not going to read it, and we're going to ignore you. And it reeks of jealousy. It really, really. I do does. think some of her students, though, or some of these other emails. So, I do too. I so do. Let's get through them. Let's, Ugh. let's get through them. All right. All right. All right. Come and sue us, Heather. <laughs> yeah. I dare you. What are you going to sue for? Things that you wrote us? I really yeah, want to know. Yeah, you started it. <laughs> ad hominem attacks. I don't think that's how suing works. With what lawyer? <laughs> she sounds like Trump. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue you because you guys made fun of me. You're mean. All of these people, I'm going to say all of these people who keep writing in to say negative things, um, they remind me of the, and look, they're, were some good bloggers from from tumblr so i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the crazy side of tumblr what it became and they're all written in these weird fonts and strange colors <laughs> so f- and weird. some of them are so bad we had to actually uh copy and paste them into oh, apple is this notes the, is this the one no that's not that one but they're all like this they're all written in like these weird fonts that don't make any sense like i don't understand these kooky women well who's next um this one is from she says cults question mark from Lily James. Oh God! And this is a, some more cognitive dissonance and stuff. So, God, you guys are such jokes. <laughs> All right, she says hi. Please dump Stephanie from the podcast. No. I checked out her Instagram, and it is appallingly sexist. How? I mean, honestly, how? Because she's wearing makeup. Because I'm wearing makeup. By the way, Lily's wearing makeup in her profile pic. Yeah, she has red lipstick on. Yep. It looks nice. Yep. Is that me hating women to say that it looks nice? Yes. <laughs> You've been indoctrinated by my patriarchy. She is some 20-something hot topic goth with horrid taste in clothing. That's right, I am. I am 26. <laughs> and you're goth. And I'm goth. What's wrong with being goth, by the way? Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything Isn't wrong Isn't Tumblr with it. full of goth people? Totally. Yeah. Like, I hate my mom and dad. They fuck. <laughs> they fuck. She is dying for male attention with her ugly ass pics. Ugly ass. Ugly ass. She has the look. What, I, is, what is the look? I think most women know what I am talking about. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not a woman. I, no, but I, I don't know what that means. What is the look? I don't is know. Is this slut shaming again? I don't know. I mean, I've been around some of the meanest women on earth. This sounds. But I don't even know what this, this sounds is. sounds like a church lady. <laughs> The look. The look. You know, she walked into the church wearing her revealing clothing. <laughs> she has the look. The look. Stephanie is the kind of gender traitor. See, she's saying the same term- terminology. I think she's one of Heather's acolytes. Yeah. <laughs> acolytes. That's a good term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would try to steal your boyfriend or hubby. Yeah, that never happened. Hubby. She's a dumb frat guy's idea of a Wiccan woman. Is she saying I'm a dumb frat guy? <laughs> I mean, I am wearing a hoodie, but whatever. Totally defined by men, so I'm not defining me by the choices that I'm making. I don't have a You're choice. incapable of your own thoughts because you're a woman. Oh, okay. I see. Yes. <laughs> she cusses too much. I do? Well, fuck yeah. I mean, I do cuss a lot. But who cares if it's too much? You try, try. She says you're cringe try hard. So much it is cringe try hard shit. I mean, this, this whole email like is try 20, hard shit. 20 year old talk. I mean, <laughs> no offense, 20 year olds. The smoking? Oh, dear. No one wants to see it, love. Love? What, what is she, like, Cruella DeVille or something? I know. Maybe she just watched Cruella. Yeah. That's her favorite movie. 
It is neither cute nor aesthetically pleasing. Wrong. <laughs> Using a smoking fetish to get attention isn't for strong women. Well, what is for strong women? Apparently, uh, not wearing makeup and looking like a dump truck is for strong women. Yeah. Yeah. And by looking like a dump truck, I mean you just roll out of bed, you keep the pajamas on. This is sexist, stuff. You don't brush your hair or this. your teeth or even get the crust out of your eyes. And you just go about your day. Looking your best is sexist. Yeah. Putting any effort into your appearance and hygiene is but sexist. But see, this is confusing because that other girl who wrote us <laughs> said you need to go to the gym six days a week or something like that. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to that crazy one in a bit. Yeah. Where am I at? Where am I at? Um, uh, she says that I'm a shit Oh, hu- she says Michael must be a shit husband to allow his wife to smoke. I have no control over what Stephanie does. So by the she's way. saying she, you should lock me in a room or beat me? Yeah. I don't tell my wife mean? what to do. I have suggestions, but at the end of the day, this woman does whatever the fuck she wants. That is true. You know, I've tried sometimes, and I I faced the wrath of Stephanie, and no one <laughs> wants the wrath of Stephanie. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> we got a we got a video of her saying, "Don't tell me what I, to do." Honestly, there are things he's tried to uh, uh, be stubborn about, and I just dig in my heels. I'm I'm probably we're both more stubborn. stubborn. Yeah, we're both stubborn. That's why we're married to each other? <laughs> we're very much alike. <laughs> Here's, and then here's where it just gets weirder. Um, so after insulting you. Yeah. She after says, calling me a piece of shit. I do kind of like him in the pod. He is funny in a twisted and morbid way. Ugh. I mainly listen because he is handsome. Wish you guys would talk about cults. Lily. P.S. Anita Sarkeesian rules. No, she doesn't. She's a grifter. Yeah, she really is a grifter. Uh, so she finds me attractive. She's listening to the pod because of me. But let's explain the Anita Sarkeesian thing, because I don't know if people know. This is this is a thing more in, what, the late 2000s? You're going to get in trouble with a feminist for attacking her. <sighs> but the thing is, the woman doesn't even write her own material. Yeah, it's written by a man. It's written by a white guy. And San Fran. And they've used it to glom on to the cause of feminism. She thinks that Mad Max Fury Road is a misogynistic movie. It could be anything for Which is the, the most, you know, feminist movie of blockbuster the last, like, 10 years. Yeah, it, it it yeah, it's a great movie. That's just I mean that's that's the kind of nutty things that come out of from from that side. Um, it's this Victorian feminism of like women should be delicate, they should not smoke. They, they should not wear makeup. Not drink. I can wear makeup, but you can't wear makeup. You can't you should only wear um dresses cuz that's turf stuff, right? So they're uh, a lot of these women are very well, pro-turf. Well, it reminds me of like Ann Coulter because Ann Coulter says women shouldn't work, but she's working. She's working. Yeah, exactly. Women yeah. shouldn't vote, but she wants to she vote. She can vote. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. do as, uh, you know, I have my own rules for me and you you get criticized. It's very much white feminism from the turn of the century where they wanted the right to vote. And I didn't know this for so long until I started studying it. Um they did not mean all women. <laughs> they just meant them. And for a long time, they didn't even mean the lower classes. They just meant rich. Yeah. And white. Yeah. That's it. White feminism. <laughs> so white. And Which it's, is a plague. It's by a the plague. Way. It's still we're still seeing it today. I find it so odd that it, it comes from the left, but it, it's a very right wing theocratical. I used to way. call it Taylor Swift feminism, but I think Taylor Swift is turned Taylor into Swift is actually a, yeah. a feminist. And and I like that she's not Speaking of Taylor Swift, she is now comfortable in her own body. She is fine with showing more skin. And now people like her less. And she's she's curvier now. She looks healthy. She looks happy. I, I'm not a f- huge fan of her music, but I like her more as a person because I feel like she's definitely much more authentic. And uh, I, I'm so happy to welcome her to the feminist wagon. <laughs> not that she There's needs nothing my wrong with feminists. There's nothing wrong with wanting equal rights for no, everybody. No, I want that. Because I want that. 
when we talk about when I talk about feminism, and I don't want to turn anyone off from the podcast or even from what I'm talking about. I'm honestly just talking about equal rights, equal rights That's for everybody. That's all we mean. That's all we mean. And breaking down, you know, gender norms and rules about what it is to be a man or what it mean is to be a, a woman because they they hurt everybody, you know. Yes, it hurts men and women. And it does tie into true crime because we know that that children who are not allowed to to properly emote um can can grow up maladaptive. Most and that could lead into some really really most hideous victims things. of crime are women. Mm-hmm. I, I I said this one time on the internet and I got attacked and it's true. But it's not just because the men are toxic. It's the it's what we're teaching boys. It's what we're teaching girls. And we need to stop doing this stuff because it's hurting people. It ends up hurting people as adults. It hurts them as children. So it's not just like you know a, a philosophical argument here. I think it has real life consequences. On it what does it, what it means. So. Well, I find these women just insane. We got to read the rest. We got to get through this. <laughs> okay. We're getting it out of our system. Oh, it's God. therapeutic for me. I'm a bad husband, you know. <laughs> I'm so bad. Who's bad? Okay, so now I'm going to read the email that was that was literally in a font so twisted um it made our eyes cross. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we could not read it. I, I had to translate it. it. I don't know what the subject was. I had to was. put it into my iPad notes to read it. And uh, I'm going to give a little uh, trigger warning on this one because she implies some things about rape that's kind of, that's really disgusting. But we're going to read it. Yep. And Go ahead. after we'll... this crap, we're not reading any more of these things yeah. again. You guys are done. <laughs> we're done. We're moving on. Goodbye. <laughs> so she says, uh, this is from Jess. She says, please spare us more of this podcast. You don't have to listen. Yeah. No one's forcing you to. No one's forcing you to listen Not to Not even our your podcast. dad you love so much. <laughs> you guys are both a joke. <laughs> ha ha ha. <laughs> Stephanie is a 25-year-old girl who looks like she has never worked a day in her life. Okay. That's... I thought I was 26. Yeah. Well, you're now 25. That's awesome. She wears cheap, slutty makeup. You know what? I buy the makeup. It's not cheap. Hey, but there's nothing wrong with drugstore makeup. There's some really good stuff out there for on the drugstore line. Okay, so I'm, this is a side note. I used to work at Target, and I'm pretty sure this woman, by the way, is wearing makeup, and she's against wearing makeup. But she's she wearing work. makeup. She has balayaged highlights in her hair. I used to be a manager at Target. Most of the theft in the store occurred from women, white women, stealing makeup. And these were women who could afford makeup. Yes. They had their dogs in they their purses. They had little tiny dogs. In their purses, and they took the makeup under the dog. They and had they, Paris Hilton dogs. Yes. <laughs> it could be 14 to 40 to 60. Always white women. And it was in the cosmetic section. Oh, yeah. Every time. That Every is, time. And that was the majority of your loss prevention. Now this was, was like 2007, but yes. I don't know what it's like today because I don't work at Target anymore. I bet it's still the same. They're going to introduce an Ulta in there. Ooh, you guys. Anyway, get back. To Rather the, my makeup. Get back to the up. crazy. <laughs> so she, she's like, you know, going after people who may not have all the monies because you don't need to have the most expensive makeup. This is an upper class woman. This is some, that's, that's really shitty. Classes. That's a classes thing to say. <laughs> Feminists do not wear makeup, but she's wearing makeup. They do not smoke. Okay. And they do not marry men like Michael. Uh oh. <laughs> he is the walking embodiment of patriarchy with That's his right. crude humor and comments. Yes, I'm evil. I was so disgusted. Stephanie is white trash who looks like she is dying to get gang banged in a dive bar. Oh, when I actually read this, it, I, I'm I, look. When I read this, my jaw dropped. Yeah. I was shocked because <laughs> honestly, this is sickening. That's disgusting. It's not funny. This is not funny. This is sickening. 
She's, and I, I'm I'm not a I'm a stoic guy, but this is gross. I was just like, whoa, man, <laughs> this is a this is a Jodie Foster movie here. Like, dude, she says, I bet her husband buys her cigarettes. He does. I don't go and find this stuff. I wouldn't know where to get the stage smokes. Yeah, whatever you like to smoke. Um, they're so gross. My whole hair stinks afterwards. It's I have to wash it. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, and she never man. goes to the gym. Oh, and she never goes near a gym. So women need to look their best. This is the opposite of the other woman mm-hmm. who was like, women need not do anything. And now they need to go to the gym like six days a week. Yeah. Go to the gym. Don't wear makeup unless you're her. <laughs> yes. Cognitive dissonance. You can't <laughs> insult somebody for doing what you do. Okay. It doesn't work that way, guys. It doesn't work that way. My father is more of a feminist than she will ever is be. Is this Megan McCain? This is some incest level gross. My father, my father, my father, my father, my father, my father, my father. My husband would never let me smoke. Um, so your husband controls you? You're but okay she's a that? feminist. But you're a feminist? But your husband is my rules, my house, my rules. So you do you have to make him all the sandwiches? I'm just wondering. She says my husband would never let me smoke. Michael is not a feminist. <laughs> right after saying that. Uh-huh. He is a pig with a piggy wife. Now we're using ad hominem attacks and we're fat shaming people. <laughs> she was already fat shaming. Stop your stupid big pharma agenda. Our agenda. What, now, where does this come from? I don't. I haven't talked about any kind of medication. There was somebody who, is, who messaged us about Monsanto. Because you could get a, uh, you should, you need to get a vaccine. By the way, if your dogs have to get vaccines to go on play dates together or to be in a, uh, any kind of service, like get their groom grooming services and things like that or you want to board your animal you have to get them vaccinated yeah so if your dog has well, to when be i went to college you know uh last year i had to get vaccinated there's a lot of infectious diseases that can kill you and they're not pretty and you don't want to get them your dogs your cats or humans which is why we say get your vaccines that's not being that's not a big pharma agenda yeah. that's just common sense no. what else does she say she says no one cares about your pod mm, uh well she, you care enough to write you guys are not feminist, Jess. We're not feminist, uh, but, you know, she she's the one whose dad and husband defines her life. She's rolling out a really nasty email just specifically to us and leaving comments on places, and, and yet we're the ones yeah, who the, Yeah, one of these people left some stuff on my Instagram or something. <laughs> it's, just the, it's just nuts to me. Like, these people are nuts. So I've got one left uh, from another one of these women. I'm going to read this one because it kind of <laughs> ties into this big pharma thing. Her name is Emma Robbie. And it's, again, she's wearing makeup. And she says, frauds! <laughs> How much are the tobacco companies paying Steph to promote smoking? How much, Stephanie? Um, zero. Her Instagram is an ad for Marlboro. Revolted. She is a woman of questionable morals. <laughs> well, I agree with that. No. <laughs> Are you frauds getting money? We're frauds, but we're getting money. <laughs> Are you frauds getting money from Big Pharma and the science religion? What is the science religion? Does she mean Scientology or is there, or is there a religion based around just science? Is that? Oh, no, the dog. Oh, the doggies. <laughs> the doggy. Anyway, what is the science religion, Stephanie? Uh, uh, agreeing with germ warfare? <laughs> with the, with the I don't know. I've heard this warfare? term before. It's like a conspiracy thing. I'm yeah. stupid. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm stu- I'm too stupid to understand what the sti- science religion is. You are endangering lives by promoting the Bill Gates eugenics vaccines. So Bill Gates is creating eugenics vaccines. Um, 
because they think they're putting microchips in people. But she, she, she wrote this with her phone, I'm assuming. <laughs> or her Apple device. Yeah, whatever. An Apple device. Vaccines created by Monsanto and DARPA. DARPA, the Defense Department Research Agency in Monsanto. Now, Stephanie, by the way, is one of those people who is not into uh, bioengineered foods or... I, for specific, actually scientific reasons. So why would we be sponsored by Monsanto? <laughs> but for scientific reasons, because... Stephanie hates Monsanto. Yeah, they're poisoning the planet. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, I don't Shut like... Shut up, you hippie. <laughs> you need biodiversity in order not to go... Not to starve, because if you only have one type of crop and there's, let's say, like a blight, like the potato famine, what we mentioned um, in the Donner Party episode, yeah. that uh, drove many, many Irish people here to this country. That same storm that... that They still weren't fortunate enough to bring Darren Mooney, though. But part of the problem was because they only had one crop. Yeah. They only had one strain of potato that, that the people in Ireland were growing. I don't understand agriculture, so I have no idea. You need biodiversity. There's actually a blight going on with uh, bananas right now, and it's and the reason we have yellow bananas is because it was it was marketed. It had good market. I'm research. creeped out by the growth hormone in the cattle. That creeps me out. Right. So, but anyway, this this yellow banana stuff. There, there's just this blight going around, and it's bad, and it's attacking. There's actually better bananas. There's better tasting bananas, but they don't look as pretty. Yeah, and everything's about aesthetics. Right. So this was all they marketed during a time they when don't have your television. They don't were have your new. cheekbones, so they don't. You know. <laughs> And okay. col- especially color TV. So just one of the things. But Emma, the- <laughs> who sounds a lot... I digress. <laughs> Emma, who sounds a lot like your friend Heidi, says, the government is waging war on women's fertility. She's not wrong about that, but just the re- her reasoning is wrong. Her reasoning is off, and it's not... It's not. I would not say it's And this is their latest way. weapon. Yeah, they don't care if they're hurting human beings with their pollution. I, I would say the government is, they don't care. They're just making money. The vaccines also cause autism in children and make men sterile. Did it make me sterile, Stephanie? No. <laughs> <laughs> and is it so awful if you have a child with autism? That's a really yes. ableist thing to say. Yes. That's yes. a really That's the worst thing that could happen to you, according to Jenna McCarthy and, yeah. and Jim Carrey. And my ex-friend. Whatever. Is autism. And it's not. Yeah. So three. This woman is terrible. This is the all these people are garbage people. Yeah, my cousins like uh, she has children and they. I don't know if this it's because of where they live because she's had a lot of health difficulties. But all of her children have autism. They're beautiful kids. They're lovely children. They're sweet. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. You know, like there's they they have to learn how to perceive the world world a little differently. But that's. That's for most of us, you know. I think, you know, trying to I'm pretty integrate sure, I'm pretty society. sure Stephanie and I have a, some form of Asperger's. Maybe. So. <laughs> and this is not an attack on people with Asperger's. I'm, I'm just kind of confident of that. Well, I mean, there is a correlation between um, the higher intelligence gets yeah. that you might... And my lack of empathy. You might lack empathy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I have empathy just mostly for dogs and cats. <laughs> Humans keep using it all up. That's the problem. That's been my problem. I get more cynical and... Bad people keep doing bad things, and it just makes me not. You think the future is dark. I think it is light. Yeah, I don't think. And we're I'm the nihilist. Everything is on fire. <laughs> the whole planet's on fire. I see a future where we're all smarter. We're better people. I don't see that at all. I know. I, this is where we animals. disagree, guys. Yeah. Stephanie. We keep repeating history, and it just never ends. I mean, it does not end where we what, annihilate ourselves. Where, what about Darren? What? What about Darren? Where, where can we find... Ever, we need to know about Darren. Oh. Yeah, I had some extra We're wrapping it up. 
I didn't realize we were at this part of the pod. I'm a yeah. little tired right we're now. We're out of emails. <laughs> we're out of crazy people, guys. Um, Darren can be found at, at Darren underscore Mooney. And I'm going to have a little show notes in our, in our um, what's it called, our description of the pod. So that way, if you want to f- check out any of his books... Totally think you should, even if you're not a huge X-Files fan. But He's got read- one on Christopher Nolan. Yeah, great. yeah. I mean, he just... I've read him three... I've, look, I've read all his books over and over again. He's incredibly insightful crazy. on the human condition and also the the times that they live in. And, and he ties that back into either the movies and... and, and these, this is important really it's for any kind of... It's all about the cultural context, which is what our podcast is trying to do, is get to the cultural context of conspiracy theories, true crime. That's what we're doing. We're not doing... Let's talk about Ted Bundy tonight. Well, it matters. I mean, it matters and how they aren't solved or why they were solved or why maybe why a person does such a thing in the time or how they're able to get away with it. Right? Yeah. So all of those things matter. <laughs> and we're both crazy people who believe in ghosts. So That's it. Yeah. That's our pitch. Was there anything else I was going to say? Oh, so if you've made it this far, thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening all the way. Uh, maybe we've even found some parallels between um, our discussion with Darren and what we're going to be talking about next week, which is a satanic panic. Because which is a moral panic because Stephanie has basically created a moral panic with her <laughs> with just my looks, Instagram and cheekbones. <laughs> I wonder if Dita Fontes has to like feel this kind of crap all the time. I wonder if the other um, women who do like pet up and there's I've a had, lot of I've had women. some people ask me if I manipulate your photos and that's not true. I don't. You manipulate your photos like every well, woman. Well, I can say from the latest photo shoot we did, my makeup was starting to shred because it was so humid and I didn't use enough setting spray. If Even I manipulated our photos, none, neither of us would have gray hair. I had eczema on my chin and it was like acting up and the humidity was making everything just tear apart. But when I first got out there, it looked great. I was very happy with it. So, yeah, I will do... I, you can see me sweating, too. I will do a little bit of, like, skin smoothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And color balancing of the photos. I, I manipulate my eyebrows because they look like caterpillars. If I could actually manipulate my photos, I would definitely get rid of my double chin. I have a weak chin, and I hate it. <laughs> Even when I was, well, like, Well, it depends on the thin. angle, because you have that great... You actually have a great jawline, sometimes. Well, thank you. And if you film me from... Up, but it's I, the chin that's not... If you film me strong. from underneath, I look ridiculous yeah so. it's just it, I, I mean look my mom has it so I got it for my mom but I, even my it's dad's Irish like, it's an Irish thing <laughs> it's totally an Irish thing uh we just we just have it but even when I was just itty bitty because I've been all the sizes and when I was itty bitty I, I still had it, it well what's your Instagram so they can send you hate mail oh right right well let's talk about the spookies pod is on Instagram so we're at the spookies podcast on Instagram the spookies pod on Twitter and you can find the spookies podcast on Facebook we're also the Spookies Pod. Is it the Spookies Podcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com mm-hmm. If you want to write us more email, but only write us uh, if you send us hate mail. Just don't send it about Stephanie or smoking. I or... mean, I sure they will. We're just not going to read. We're it. not going to read it. You're wasting your time because we're done with this part. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you want to find me individually, and I'm going to put that in the show, show notes too. Maybe we'll just start doing this so you can find us and make it a little easier. I am at Steffi Hell Yeah on Twitter and Stephanie Hell Yeah on Instagram. And on Instagram, I am at Spooky Michael, and you can go see Stephanie's Nora pics, because that's mainly what I tweet or post. And on Twitter, I am Agent Bigfoot, which is stupid, and I created that just on a whim. So I love it. It's like one of my favorite Twitter it's handles. Stupid. It's stupid. I want to change it. I love it. I hate it. You can't change it. It's cute. No, it's not. I like it. So next week, we're finally going to get to the Satanic Panic, <laughs> and we're going to read off the Satanic Commandments. I'm going to be drunk. We're going to talk about the moral panics. We're going to go through a, a series of moral panics, including killer bees and 
like guys, what happened to the killer bees? Prohibition was a moral panic. It is, yeah, yeah. And these these so called feminists sound like now you're just sounding like an MRA, <laughs> Stephanie. Look, we're we're both feminists. This is a liberal podcast that offends you. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It's going to make its way in there, and I I'm not even trying to be like extra political on. But here. we're just we're not woke, but we're we're liberal. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I, liberal, not in a classical liberal like Dave Rubin. We're not that shit. We're liberals. <laughs> We're actual liberals. We're leftists. Yeah. Yeah. But Socialism rules. Next <laughs> week, we get to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and how it ruined people's lives and how <laughs> video games turned Stephanie into a witch. So, <laughs> How the Legend of Zelda put its evil spell. Da, 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 <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, stay spooky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.